Welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 105, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am an Anaheim Ducks fan for today. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's a Ottawa Senators fan for today only. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing great. What about the Detroit fans? We don't have a third guy to be a Detroit fan. He only, oh. It was only one year anyway. Who cares? Um, yeah, the reason we are, what's going on, Skokes, the reason we are super excited about to, you know, mention the Ottawa Senators and the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim at one point in time, of course, we are super thrilled to bring on to our show, former NHL star, multiple time 30 goal scorer, Masterton Trophy winner, Olympian, all the great things you can say about him. Of course, I'm talking about Bobby Ryan. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Tough teams to be fans of this year, but going <laughs> for one day, that's all right. <laughs> you know what's funny about those two teams, though? Frank and I lumped those two together. Like one, like they're both going to compete for most of the year, and then one of them might sneak in. But you know, yeah. we'll, we'll get we'll hey, get I'm to that in a second. Coming, right? They are, they are. They so are. is Detroit. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're so a couple years out, absolutely. Bobby, before we get into talking to you a little bit about your career and all that kind of stuff, which Frank and I are just super stoked to have you. Like, thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, the thing I wanted to start off with, one of the most intriguing things I noticed when I was going through, like, your profile and what led to you becoming an NHL player and all that, you played for the Owen Sound Attack early, yeah. early on when you were a teenager getting ready to make a run at the NHL. You're an American boy, though. Good American boy. Yep. What made you choose major junior over college? You know, at, at that point, there had been very few guys that really had taken that route. Um, you, but for me, I had the American, I wanted that American college dream to play at the University of Michigan, which is where I was going to be headed. Um, and I got drafted seventh overall by Owen Sound. Usually they pick you kind of in the fourth and the fifth round if you're an American and they hope that you might come. Um, and Owen Sound took a chance and Mike Fuda, who became, you know, is now a good friend, um, was my general manager and kind of, you know, I guess wined and dined me um, when I went up there, but it was really Bobby Clark and my dad who sat me down and I knew I was a good player. I didn't know. I, I mean, I knew I was one of the better players in the country. I just didn't know that where I stood against the rest of the world. Um, and they said, you're going to be a top five, top 10 pick, be ready to play in the NHL at 20 and not be going into your second year of college at 20, go play against men uh, as a 16 year old. So they kind of pushed me in that direction and it ended up being the best decision I ever made not to slight us hockey or anything like that, but it was just for my personal development, I needed to go play against older guys. Yeah. So after your career with the Owen sound attack, now you're starting to think about the NHL. You're about to, you know, it's a big step forward from the OHL. And like you said, you're thinking top five, top 10 pick, but no, you're drafted second by the Anaheim ducks 
and right behind or right after Sidney Crosby. So you got to be thinking like, oh my God, like I just got chosen second overall in the draft. Like what, what did that mean to you? Like what like went through your head? Like knowing that you just got drafted in the NHL. Well, it validated the decision I made to go to Owen Sound. I don't know that I was the second overall pick had I played at the U.S. program and been entering into college hockey. Um, I've, I was never a player that fit the U.S. hockey mold um, in, in the program. And, and obviously there were some, you know, some slights there when I think I should have made some teams in the past. And there were some times where, you know, I left them kind of high and dry. I understand that. But you have to make the decision that's best for the longevity of your career. But all that being said, it, it validated my decision. Um and, and it, you know, my past is obviously very well documented and well known, and it was a tumultuous few years leading into the draft and, and, you know, previously. So, uh, it was just a culmination, um, and, and a, and a small bit of success in a, in a, in a tough environment, um, in a tough road. So it wasn't the end success, right? You had a lot of work to do after you're drafted, but it was certainly, it, it gave me validation that I had done everything right up until the point. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. <laughs> You're a closet Devils fan, right? No, I can't say I ever was. No, no. I was right across the bridge from Philly, boys. I apologize. <laughs> that, that's funny. Frank here's a Blackhawks fan. We you have all have to sorts apologize to me. We have all sorts of fanhood across the show and across okay. our, our fans. But yeah, I'm a Devils fan. I was just curious, like, did Bobby Ryan grow up rooting for the Devils? But uh, Cherry Hill's closer to Philly. So, yeah. you know, did you, so you grew up a Flyers fan then? Yeah, I was a, we had flyer season tickets when I was really young. Um, and Bobby Clark and my dad are very close personal friends. So I was always around Clarkie, um, always around as I grew, you know, grew into being a player at, you know, 14, 15 years old. They had me training with the Flyers guys in the summer. It was incredible. So I, I still have allegiances to the uh, to the Philadelphia Flyers. I gotta apologize to my I, I know you guys are all over the map on your your fandom and, and the Blackhawks are a tough team to be a fan of this year, too. But um uh, uh, I was a Flyers kid. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you spent a, most of your career with Anaheim, six years with Anaheim, seven years with Ottawa. Spent a little time with Detroit. You ended your career there one year. But um, what have you thought so far about the direction that these teams have, have gone in? Well, they're all at different areas of their, I guess their rebuild um, would be the right word. I think Ottawa is kind of coming out of theirs. And, you know, this year I think was a lost year. They had a tough start. They were four and 12, I believe at one point. Um, so when you don't get off to that kind of start and you're a young team, it's, it's, it's a hard road. I thought Detroit at one point this year was a little further ahead because they brought in some veterans, but they kind of trailed off. They didn't get goaltending for a lot of the year. So that changes things um, immensely, but Ottawa had the injury bug. Um, I, I think Ottawa's a playoff team next year. And if they're not, they're right there. They're right there this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but they need a they need they need a tandem in that, um, and their their young players have come along very well. They need the rest of them to kind of step into some roles next year. Vin, I don't remember when we were talking about Ottawa. Um, I mean, we didn't expect them to be that good this year. But if they were like one of our surprise picks, that they could potentially surprise this year. So I completely agree. Like by next year or the year after, they're right there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they, they found a way to go on some runs. And if they get some goaltending, I think they have a much different conversation going forward now. But they're not you're not good enough to get into a position where you start four and 12 to make the playoffs in the NHL. There's just too much parity across the league now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so in 2010, you were a part of one of my favorite teams I ever watched, the 2010 USA team, the Olympic squad. 
closest they've come to winning the gold in my lifetime, I'm pretty sure. And you're part of this great team. So Zach Parisi's in his prime with the Devils. You got Paul Stastny, Patrick Kane's coming up with the Chicago Blackhawks. They ended up going on to win the cup that year. You know, guys like Jack Johnson, Ryan Suter, Chris Drury, Ryan Callahan, the list goes on. Brian Rafalski, one of my favorite players ever. Um, That team had to be just so fun to hang out though, like on, on and off the ice, right? It was. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's different because the Vancouver Canucks or the Vancouver Canucks, excuse me, the, the Olympics was in Vancouver that year. So hockey was at the forefront when you go over to Russia and other things, there's other stuff, um, you know, other sports that take precedence and not when you're playing in Canada. So we got that experience and we were very isolated. Um, you know, we stayed, the women's team, I think stayed in the same, I guess the dorm complex, but you, it felt like you were just around your group of guys, the hockey, you know, the hockey teams and we saw the women's team in and out. We saw the, some other guys coming out of our building. Um, I think the curlers were in there, but we had a very, very isolated group and it was a lot of fun. Um, you never know what you're going to get in a 17 day tournament, how the team's going to bond, how the team's going to, you know, come together. But I thought we did an incredible job and, and that speaks to the leadership because we had some old, old guys in the room. You know, Chris Drury was there. Um, Ryan Suter, who wasn't exactly old, but was, you know, kind of that leader. Uh, some other guys as well that just got the group together all the time. And then we had some young guys, right, that wanted to learn from those guys. So we, we meshed incredibly well. Everybody put egos aside. You know, for me, I went in as a as a goal scorer. Um, and I think I was one of the leading American scorers in the in in the NHL up until that point. And they said, you're going to be more of a checker. And I said, that's fine. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. And, um, you know, your roles change and everybody was accepting of what that role was going to be. And that's why we had success ultimately, um, coming up one goal short, unfortunately, but that's why we found ways to have successes because everybody just kind of checked their ego and did what they were told. Sydney freaking Crosby. Yeah. I'll never forget it. When Parisi tied it, I was like, we got this. Yeah. And then nothing. Yeah, no, that was a tough, it, we, we went in, and um, we felt like we had all the energy in between, you know, the third period and overtime because of that. And then you get to four on four hockey and things just change. Anything can change. I think Joe Pavelski had a nice shot early on that could have won it. If I remember correctly, it was him. Um, and then you just get, you know, not a weak goal, but a surprise shot that finds its way. And that's, you know, it, you're on a plane back home very, very fast after that. It's amazing how quick the turnaround is when you switch out of Olympic hockey into regular season hockey. Yeah. So, when you start early in your career, when you were with the Ducks, I loved watching you play because the Hawks had some pretty intense games with Anaheim. Yeah. And um, it, I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun to watch. And now you look at the two franchises now, Chicago and Anaheim. It's not much the same as what it used to be, but back <laughs> in the day when you were on the Ducks, I mean, those were some really, really fun games to watch. But yeah, you played in 866 games. You had 261 goals, 308 assists for 569 points. That is great. Like, I'd sign up for that today if to be in the NHL and have those numbers. But, I mean, what was your favorite moment that you had? Because yeah. I know you never went on to win the Cup, but it's hard to win the Cup. So, I mean, that that's a tough thing to do. And it, it it's out of your control for something like that to happen because it's a team game. But, like, other than, like, what, what was your biggest moment? Or your most memorable moment, I should say. I think probably, I had a, I guess it's not a moment, but a, a run was the 2017 run with Ottawa, um, which we eventually lost to Pittsburgh, who came on. I'm in Nashville now, who came on to beat the Predators. Because um, I think if we won that series, we had a really good chance of beating Nashville. Mm-hmm. They were pretty banged up, um, and the back end was a little thin. So we had an opportunity. But that run, 
was some of the better hockey I had played. I had a couple overtime winners and a couple other game winners during the run. Um, our team just found ways to get it done. We weren't the best team, um, probably on paper, but we had a lot of up and coming guys like Stoner and Hoffman and, and, you know, Eric Carlson was playing at just another level on the backside for us. So that was my favorite run. Um, I ultimately think, I think we missed a couple opportunities in Anaheim, um, just not being able to get through Detroit. Um, if we get through Detroit, I think that we're probably, you know, staring, staring down a, a, a lengthy run on a couple of them and, um, you know, came up a little short, unfortunately, but that 17 run was probably my favorite stretch of hockey. That series against the Penguins. Oh my, oh my God. What the, play, the play Sid made to feed Kunitz who shot yeah. that knuckle puck to beat Craig um, Anderson was, yeah. I'll never forget that play forever. Me neither, um, bud. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And playoff series of all time in my life that I've went Yo, hundred percent. And, and you talk about, you talk about, playing with EK 65, like Eric Carlson's one of the best defensemen we've ever seen, at least in the last 20 years. When you were in Anaheim, you got to play with Getzlaff and Perry. Weren't you, didn't you form a line with them at one point, you know, in some of the eight days of your career, what was it like playing with those guys, even at the power play, even strength, whatever that may be. Yeah. So I, I played primarily five years on, on the left side with those two. Um, and, and there were stretches where we brought guys to try and form a second line, but we were really, really dependent on one line. And that was, that's a problem if you want to win. Um, and, and you could make a case, I guess that, you know, for a few of those years, we were one of the better lines in the NHL, you know, the year that pairs won MVP gets at a hundred points, I think one year, give or take. Um, and, and it was very easy for me to rattle off 30 or 35 because you're playing with those guys. You're going to, you're going to see a lot of one-timers. You're going to see a lot of backdoor plays. So, we had a good line. We were just too heavily dependent on one of them. Um, we didn't really have that second and third line that could score. We had some grind, you know, grind line and all that. But those two guys were easy to play with. I, you know, talk about Getsy, who's just moving right over there um, in the process of moving here as well. Uh, those guys have been, you know, those guys will be lifelong friends. They're, they're two, I mean, get, Paris is still playing. I'm like, they're going to have to carry that guy out of a building at some point. Um, you know, <laughs> I, real. Yeah, I didn't choose to go that route. It wasn't it wasn't meant to be for me. But uh, some of the most fun times in hockey, you, you never knew, you know, at any given night, we felt like we could go out and score three or four for the team. And that was a really, really good feeling. Um, just wish we hadn't come up short in some of the bigger moments. And that's, you know, it, it's hard when you're when you're, you know, you're the sole focus of another team as one line. Uh, it makes it hard to go. It makes it hard to win. It really does. But at the same time, it was it was just such a blast. I loved playing in Anaheim. What a great place to play hockey. Um, so on this show, I love when we interview people who also have their own podcast. And I know you're a co-host on the Coming In Hot podcast. Tell us more about it, how it came to be. What's it about? Well, I was, I was doing a lot of guest work with wally brent wallace who is still you know the lead co-host for us um and holds the show together pretty well and mark Mathot, wally meth show they had it for about maybe a little over a year give or take um but you know i think meth wanted to go his own direction because he was doing some really good things on tv and actually um i couldn't agree more with the decision he made because he's absolutely phenomenal on the broadcast and i get to watch a lot of sense games now covering these guys in in some sense so meth made a great decision for him and um you know, Wally was kind of looking for something. He wanted to stay in this avenue, and I, I had done some things with him. And, you know, the media side of things was always interesting to me, but I was never going to do media if I had to travel. Um, I've done the traveling. I want to be home where my kids are. 
Um, this was something that would keep me engaged for three, four hours a week, covering a team that I know, a city that I'm passionate about and, and things like that. And uh, it's, it's very weird to be so you know short removed from hockey where you have to be analytical about guys that you like. Um, so it makes it a little you know tricky at times, and I try to keep it light. And one thing I've always said is that I'm going to side with the player because I don't know the inner workings of the room or the coaching staff or whatever is going on, but I want to side with the players. So I think we're doing some good work. We're, we're picking up some steam um, as a group. And, and, you know, Jason York's got this old school mentality that he brings into the fold that makes our show a lot of fun and we get to banter and th do things like that. So um, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, it's keeping me engaged in the game a little bit, it has me watching hockey and not so much golf. And uh, uh, it's been fun. That's awesome. Um, Bobby, speaking of podcasts, you were teammates with Ryan Whitney. Yeah. What was that guy like? Oh, just a <laughs> clusterfuck. <laughs> um, he, you know what? As soon as he started outside of hockey with the podcast and everything, I was like, this guy's going to just absolutely kill it in that, in this Avenue. Um, because num number one, he, you never, have to worry about where you stand or how he feels he's going to tell you and he's going to tell you sometimes vulgarly vulgarly excuse me which i which i always appreciated i loved playing with him we played in the olympics together um i thought he was hilarious a little much at times but very 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 good at this, this side of things and you know has marketed himself very well so he's probably i i would shudder to think about what he's making off of that thing right now but uh He's killed it, and I'm, I I knew as soon as he started that he would. There was just no doubt in my mind. And then you bring Biz into the fold, and they can play off one of each other. It's just they're, they're absolutely phenomenal at what they do. Did yeah. you ever meet? Did you ever meet Biz? I played with Biz and Owen Sound. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I didn't yeah. realize that. Oh, we brought him in at the deadline um, to be kind of a shutdown defenseman for us. And I think we I don't even know if we won around that year. Um, I think we I think we lost because we ran into Mike Richards and Kitchener Rangers. We actually we beat Plymouth and then ran into Mike Richards, who was just there was no stopping him in that series. He was phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I played with him a very little bit, very little bit of an age gap. But um, you know, he was a good dude, um, and then played against him for years. So you know, not a guy I keep in touch with, but always say hello when we cross paths, kind of thing. For sure. Cool. Those guys, they have such a unique personality. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Clusterfuck. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's did exactly he ever call did he ever did he ever call you a fucking pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he did. I not that I can remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm I'm more than positive he probably did. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, the other night uh we witnessed a pretty big milestone and something that hasn't happened in, since nineteen ninety-five. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins got 100 points, which made him the third player on the Oilers to reach 100 points this year, which the last time that happened was 1995-1996 when Mario Lemieux had 161, Yarmir Yager had 149, and Ron Francis had 119. And, I mean, those are some pretty big players, obviously, some Hall of Fame caliber players there. But – what does that say about this Oilers team for them doing it now in the modern day era? Something well, that hasn't happened since 95 and now it happens again. It must say a lot. It does to the fact that they've, they've got a very good power play. And, and um, I'm, I'm more impressed with Nuge and Hopkins doing it than the other two, because they play together a lot. Um, and Nuge is always kind of the third wheel. And um I said something, you know what? I didn't say it on air. I said something not long ago to somebody when we were just talking hockey. And I was like, if that guy is the ultimate Swiss army knife to have, 
uh, a Nugent Hopkins. You can put him on the wing. You can put him on the, the 2C or the 3C role. He doesn't see – I've got very little – interaction with him but i thought he was a really really polite young kid he was just 19 or 20 when i met him and i was like this kid's just going to be a player and he is um what it says is they can score and i ultimately worry about taking them in any kind of playoff situation because they don't play defense (laughs) but um and and that's great if you want to have track meets on tuesday night in newark but it doesn't really bode well if you have a seven game series against the la kings um so i i'm not real sold on the team any given night they can hang four on you and win, but I just don't know if they're cut out to win in the playoffs the way they play, but um, you can't argue the point totals. And then you got a guy like Zach Hyman. I don't know where he's at, but he's, you know, he's a hell of a player. He's too. up there. Yeah. He's so gaining it on 80 points. Yeah. It's just incredible what they're doing out there points wise. But um, yeah, I say that all with a cautionary tale for waiting for the playoffs. Very interesting. When you watch across the league and I know you focus in on a couple of, you know, teams that are close to you, of course, everyone does. But is there an active player right now that reminds you of yourself? Like when you watch him, you're like, that guy kind of does what I used to do. Oh, man. No, I guess I would have to pay more attention um, to the individual player. Um, he's a much better player than I am. But Tage Thompson, I think, has some similarities. Um, much, much better skater than I am. But I do look at the way that he makes moves around the net. Um, and some of the some of the goals that he scored where he's just you know, I scored a lot of goals because I had a long reach in, in tight and I could kind of maneuver around goalies. So sometimes I see plays like him and I was like, oh, I, I feel like I scored one or two of those. Um, but that being said, I, I, I think he's a much better, more well-rounded player than I am. He's got a better shot. He's got a better um, knack for finding holes than I ever did. But um, yeah, I see some of it. You know, he's tall, he's lanky. Um, and I certainly couldn't skate like him. These guys coming in now skate so much better than I ever did. So on this show, what we like to talk about every once in a while is we like to talk about the trophy races to see, you know, keep everybody up to date on what may happen at the end of the year, like the Rocky Richard or the Hart or the Vezina or whatnot. But I think a lot of those trophies are basically wrapped up unless something crazy were to happen. But some that are more, let's say, closer, but even them still may be locked up in a way, like the, um, the Calder the trophy, the Calder trophy or the Norris trophy or stuff like that. Do you have a pick on who would win the Norris or the Calder? I mean, I kind of have an idea who you're going to lean towards with the Calder because they were my pick preseason. So I'm pretty happy about that, but <laughs> not to brag. <laughs> not to brag. Yeah. Um, you know, for the Calder and we just covered this on our show and you know, I, it's hard because I think that the people that vote on this award look just at statistics and yet, and that's why it becomes such an offensive award. Um, started to watch a little more of Matty Beniers and really, really like him. I think he's going to win it. Um, I genuinely think that Jake Sanderson should be in the top three after playing and watching him this year and the elevated role that he's got. Owen power looks like he's in a rocking chair all the time, the way he plays the game. Um, and then I really liked the kid in Arizona after watching him the other night. So I, I think my pick would have to, it's going to be Beniers, but I, I think Sanderson's a very, very close sec. I just don't think he's even going to make the top three because of media and the way he's, you know, the way he's, he, he doesn't get the same coverage. He's behind Shabbat. Now he's behind Chikrin. Um, even though those guys are injured, this guy's playing 27 minutes a night, most nights. And he's, <laughs> it's a lot for a 21 year old kid, but he's doing a great job of it. So that being said, Matty Beniers is going to win it. Absolutely. Yeah. And Matai Michelli, he's been good. 
That's the kid. Yes. Yeah. 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 Arizona. Ooh. I like him, man. I like that kid a lot. Yeah. Oh, so do I. He's feisty. Yeah. And yeah, he is. McTavish on the Ducks, too. I think he'll probably be in the conversation as well. I was surprised when Ottawa took Sanderson over Drysdale, who ended up going to the Ducks. Your two teams got the top two defensemen in the draft. But, yeah. you know, freaking Sanderson has just been so good. I'm with you on that. I like that pick. I'm like, I'm the kind of guy, too. Like, Beniers got all the points. Uh, He's going to win it. Seattle's going to the playoffs. Like, those things, yeah. they, they go into it for whatever reason. But I like your way of thinking on that for sure. Yeah, I don't think he should be discounted up, but ultimately, I don't even think he gets top three nod unless people are really, really paying attention. Is yeah, there, for sure. Is there ever a world you guys think that Stuart Skinner would make a top three for the, you know, for the caller? Yeah. No. I do think that he could slide into the top three spot. Yeah, yeah. And I think that people will vote for a goalie. People would like to see a goalie in the mix. Yeah. Decent, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think my top three are, it's going to be end up being. I think it'll be Beniers um, at one, Owen Power at three, and then I I don't know. Owen Power at two, excuse me. And I don't know who gets that third nod if you're looking at all offense, but I think Stuart Skinner should probably find a way. That's just a – that's not my top three. That's the top three I think we'll see. Right. Yeah, that's very fair. All these players that we mentioned, whether they're rookies or, you know, veterans in the league at this point, they're all amazing. And the NHL is just – it's deeper than I think it's ever been. And I know some old people probably – are like, oh, our guys were good too. But like t- today's game is just so loaded. And so when you watch these kids today, do you ever think back to when you were playing? Like who was the best when you were playing? I, I know you were in a time you played with Getzlaff. You played with Perry, a couple heart trophy candidates and winners. You were drafted one pick behind Crosby. Pavel Datsuk was in the league while you were playing. Who sticks out as the best player that you played with or against? I think the best that I've played with would be Getzlaff and, and Carlson from – from the ability to take over a game. Um, I don't think either one of them are the most skilled players, but I think that they have the ability to take over a game. Getsy had a way of slowing the game down. Carl had a way of speeding it up. They were just, they were just different players on the ice and you could feel it every time. But I think my answer would be the same as anybody that played the same, you know, stretch that I did. You got guys like, well, Crosby for one, um, and I didn't see a lot of him. I was in the West and then saw more of him in the East. Right. But I, you know, Patrick Kane's going to get a lot of, um, you know, he's probably going to go down as the best all, all time American player in history. I think, um, if not one, he's two or three, he's in that conversation, but he, he did, he played the game differently. The guys that were the hardest to play against were the Datsuks and the Zetterbergs. Um, for me, Jonathan Taze was a pain in the ass to play against. Um, I'm trying to think who else the Sedin twins, um, only because of the puck possession. So you would, you would spend two, three minutes in your zone at times against them. Ultimately they, they didn't get a shot, but, <laughs> but they were down there and you were just standing at the point going, I got my guy. Um, so those are just some of the names. I think that, you know, Nick Lidstrom was a nightmare as well from the defensive side of things. Just, you couldn't get a puck past him, could not get a puck past him. So speaking of all these players and different teams, we've officially entered April, which means we're getting ready for playoff hockey, and I'm super stoked. And we have some tight races in both the East and the Western uh, Conference. Right now in the West, both wild cards are up for grab, and it's probably going to go to Winnipeg, Calgary, or Nashville, two of those teams. And in the East, Seattle's basically – they're locked into the first wild card. But wild card – the second one, wild card number two, is up for grabs, which is – either going to go to Florida, New York, or Pittsburgh. Or wait, I'm 
I'm yep, Florida, New York, or Pittsburgh. Florida, yeah. New York, or Pittsburgh. Yeah, but I, I did my – I think I said for the West. I meant the East. Oh, no. yeah, I got you. Because I said Seattle. Never mind. So let me start over. Sorry about that. Seattle is locked in in the West in wild card one, and that's either going to – the second wild card is up for grabs, which is going to go between Winnipeg, Calgary, or Nashville. In the East, both wild cards are up for grabs, and two of these three teams, uh, Florida, Islanders, or Pittsburgh, are going to get into the playoffs. Who's your pick for each conference? Who do you got in the West between Winnipeg, Calgary, and Nashville? And who do you got in the East? So I, I think Winnipeg finds a way in just because they got the game in hand on Nashville and they're tied at this point. So you have to think they're going to find an extra point in that extra game. I don't know their schedules. I would actually, I wish I would have taken a deeper dive. To Winnipeg plays Nashville on Saturday. So that obviously that's a big one. I think Nashville, and I give them credit for being where they're at with all the injuries this year. Um, I actually just saw Ryan Johansson two, three days ago over at our golf course. He's we're all members right around the corner here. Um, you know, he's in the walking boot. You got Dutchie who's out. They're finding ways to get it done, but I don't think it's going to be enough. Um, so I think Winnipeg grabs the last spot. That is my pick. Um, sounds like the coach got into some guys and they started to respond a little bit. And that's, they're a scary team. They're big, they're heavy. They can play a lot of different ways. So they could do some damage if they sneak in. Um, Calgary to me, I just, I, 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 I'm not unsold. I like their brand, but I don't know if they're going to get it done this time of year. Um, and then I think Florida and and Pittsburgh are ultimately the two teams. I think Pittsburgh will find a way. They just they've got too many guys that have played too many big games, and you know, not not only in the season but into the late in the playoffs. So I think they find a way to get it done. Uh, and New York Islanders would be the team that I got on the outside looking in. Oh, I like that. Were you ever part of a team that is in the position of? all these guys right now where like you're fighting tooth and nail to get in the playoffs, or was it always, you were kind of clinched by now or dead by now. With the 2017 run, we only clinched three, four days left before the season ended. Um, That's right. That was when you, you upset the Bruins in the first round, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 We, we, you know, we slid in late and, and I had been out for, I think it was five weeks um, watching and hoping and praying for the guys. Right. Cause I was like, I don't want to do all this work to get health healthy um to not play so i got back with one game left in the regular season with clark MacArthur, who was out for you know the year almost um so him and i and chris neal who was also hurt were you know behind the scenes kind of hoping and praying and and we got the guys got the job done they won a big game against the rangers um to to i don't know if that was to clinch but it was to put a dagger in somebody else and give us a really good look going in so we slid in the three of us all came back from injury and kind of slid back into the lineup and went on. But um, yeah, no, usually I was usually on a team that was either well out or well in. <laughs> there was, there wasn't a lot of frustration going down the stretch. Interesting. Very interesting. So with all that being said, who's your favorite to win the Stanley cup this year? Oh, it's hard to argue against Boston, isn't it? Um, it is. The only thing I would say, and and I said this on our podcast, whoever comes out of the East is going to be exhausted. I mean, um, I, I like Jersey. I see what you're doing. I'm just not. <laughs> you need experience. It's hard without experience. It's, it's what I say to, every week. To me, it's going to be, yeah, you got to get out of the Metro. And I just, Carolina has been there, done that, never gotten past, you know, the conference finals, but I don't, I think they come out of the Metro. I just think Boston, um, with what they've done this year is, is good. Toronto's sneaky. So I think the, the, I think the best three teams in the playoffs are coming from the Pacific division or the Atlantic, excuse me. Um, so I'm taking Boston out of the Eastern conference, the West. I don't really, man, I don't know what the West is. Colorado is hard to argue with. Um, 
and then I, you know what? I really, really like Dallas um, wow. with, that, with that top line. I don't know if they have the depth, depth, excuse me, that you need, but, um, and then LA is kind of trailed off a little bit, but my, my final is going to be Boston, Boston, Colorado, and Boston gets it done. And then you see Krejci right off. You see Bergeron right off. And that's, uh, it'd be a proper send off for two guys that have been around the league a long time. Yeah, for sure. And you're in Nashville right now. And I don't, I don't know if 10 years ago, because 10 years ago, I wasn't even around like old enough to do that kind of stuff. But like, it, I don't know if it was the party town that it is today. And obviously Vegas wasn't in the league. Um, is there a road city that you were just like, oh, the boys and I are going to get after it in this city? I, I know Montreal's like that for a lot of guys. I've heard the stories about, is it the Roxy in Vancouver? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard the stories. We've had, you know, some guys come on here and say some funny stuff. Was there a city like that for you? Nashville. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm yeah. wrong. Nashville is always fun. Nashville is always great. You stayed right downtown, all the honky tonks. And if you like the country music, which I love, I love the mm-hmm. country music scene. Um, so it was great. You could, you know, go to practice and you come out for lunch and have a couple lunch beers with the boys after practice. And there's live music in every, you know, in every street. I'm pretty far removed. I'm 35 miles south of it. I got it. I'm, I don't do that scene anymore, obviously, <laughs> but uh, it's fun. I, I loved it. Um, I got one night in Montreal when I was with Anaheim because, you know, it was a road city for us. But when I was playing with Ottawa, we would take the train in, you have dinner and you play and then you leave because we're so close. So um, never really got to experience Montreal the way other guys did Vancouver, but Vancouver and Nashville were always my two favorites for sure. Awesome. That's funny. You hear the stories and I was able to pick out two of his three favorites just by naming them. Oh yeah. It's, the reputations they're, they're accurate. They're good. And I, what I like, I like the cities that felt smaller Vancouver. I don't know if it fits that bill, but Nashville certainly does. I always hated New York and uh, you know, Chicago, they were just too big and too much going on and too spread out. I was like, I, I like Nashville cause you got one block of uh, being a degenerate and then you could get out of there. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you're done with Broadway, you can get the H out of there and go. Exactly. Home. Exactly. Yeah, I get yeah. that for sure. I mean, I've heard Nashville is pretty fun. I've never Nashville's been Nashville's awesome. Um, so great. I'm more of a Vegas guy. I like to go to Vegas and, you know, party there. Yeah. Which obviously, you weren't in the league when Vegas was around. No, I was there. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you were in the league. Yeah, yeah. three, three years, I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. A couple of lost nights in Vegas. <laughs> oh, That's funny. Okay. Um. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. You forget how long Vegas has been. It is. It feels like just yesterday. Yeah. And I know your last year was 2020, 2021 in Vegas. Yeah. In 2018 so they already it, had a final appearance frank it, it slipped <laughs> in my mind because it's we've had conversations about this been about other things i just lose track of time and it's yeah, just like 100 five yeah. years feels like a year so yeah um, very much so but anyway so yeah um any playoff matchups you're excited about i know toronto and tampa bay are locked in right now for a first round matchup and I don't know about any. That's other the only one that's a complete yeah. lock. It can't change whatsoever. Yeah. I don't yeah. Think any others are locked up, but I anything would... you'd be excited to see maybe in the first round or man, to me, that's the series to watch. Um, and it just felt like it was going to happen. At my, you know what? We knew it was going to happen months ago, basically. Um, and I'm very intrigued about the matchup because I think it's finally Toronto's time to get past that first round, but I just hate for the fact that they got to play Tampa, the two, two really, really good teams right out of the gate. Um, I thought last year's series was very, very entertaining going to seven. So I, I think that that is absolutely one that I won't miss a game on. Um, it does look like 
Jersey and the Rangers are going to play each other. So I like that. Um, I don't know if that will stay the same. I guess there's no, that looks like it should be locked up. eh? pretty close to it's close. The devils would have to pretty much win out and the Canes would have to lose that extra game that they have. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's locked up. It's locked up. Um, but all that being said, I, w- I really, really want to watch that series, New York, uh, New York and the devils. I, I love the proximity. I love the fact that the city would be on, you know, both cities would be really, really well involved. And I like both teams game. That'd be a really good offensive series to watch. There's some potential good Western matchups too. That I'm looking at right here. Whoever, whoever is the two, three in the central is going to be just a dog fight. I think like if yeah. Dallas plays Minnesota or yeah. if Colorado plays one of those two, like just that's going to be, that's going to be quality hockey. It's yeah. not going to happen in the first round, but it'd be pretty cool if Vegas were to play Seattle. Get yeah. that rivalry heated up before the Winter Classic next year. Original year. 32. I like that. <laughs> I, um, I, I'm also – they had a good series last year, Edmonton and L.A., and I would like to see – I'd like to see L.A. find a way to win a series because I think that they came on strong towards the end, and I'd like to see Andre and those guys have a cu- good couple runs before they, you know, they run out of time as well. But uh, – I like the way that they play against Edmonton. I like that matchup that, you know, Connor's going to, Connor's going to do Connor thing. So is Leon, but um, outside of that, LA has got a lot of depth out there um, and they're a dangerous team going into the playoffs. I think. Well, as a former player, I have a question about Connor. So Connor's amazing. I think he's the best player. Ever. He's the most skilled player ever. It's hard to reach that apex of Gretzky. Cause like, he's not going to come close in points because you just can't come close in points anymore. Yeah. But, like, there's no 200 – like, 150, we're all going to lose our minds when he gets two more points over this weekend and yep. he reaches 150, and that probably won't happen again. Or it might for him only. Yeah. Um. Do you hate, though, that people look at that and they're like, oh, we give Connor the Hart Trophy. It's the the trophy that's mo- player most valuable to his team. I still think the Oilers would be a pretty good team. Like, the Oilers have outstanding talent all over the place. And then I look at what Matty Kachuk is doing in Florida, and I'm yeah. like, this guy's – that team would probably be like dog shit if he wasn't there. Yeah. He's, he's dragging those guys into the fight every night and wheeling them in um, on his own. But man, I don't like that. It's a stats based award. And I, I, I know the writers go that way. I don't know if you look across the league, I don't know that I can find anybody more valuable to his team than him though. Cause if you take him off that team, Leon's going to put up a hundred. Yeah. Nuge is going to put up 80 but you're not going to be in a conversation to be in the playoffs with that team without him. I don't think that's um, fair. I think he's taken over. There was a stretch not long ago that he just absolutely, I mean, he put the team on his back for four or five games and he does it a lot, but it, that, those four or five games, I actually watched more often than that. I get to stay up late for those games. And I thought he was on another level. And I just, I just, I remember thinking to myself, this team would be absolutely lost if he wasn't on the ice. Yeah. You know, I, it's, my honest opinion, I don't think the Oilers win a series without him. No. I think the Kings are no, yeah. Him. I picked the Kings last year to beat him, and that was with McDavid. Yeah. I think, like, he brings such an aspect to the Edmonton Oilers that it's just hard to argue not giving him the Hart Trophy. I, I, like you said, Ben, I know there's Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins, two other 100-point scorers, and Bobby said the same thing. Like, Dreisaitl would still probably put up 100. But it's just – it's so hard not to grant him that title of the most valuable player to his team. Bobby, did you were in the East for most of like the end of your career while he was in the league. Did you get to play against him though? And like, was there a point where he like did something crazy and you're like, Oh, I just got dusted by McDusty. 
<laughs> not me individually. Thankfully, I've I, coaches weren't putting me on the ice with my feet against him very often. So, uh, yeah, especially as I got older, my, my the slippers didn't work like they used to. But um, I remember exactly one time um, he took three strides and beat four guys, um, and and just I. The only guy that I could ever say that really picked up speed and was not as fast as him was Tamo Solani. Um, and Timo, Timo had a way of going faster off the first three strides because of his explosiveness and a lot of guys. And he, and he found a way to pick up speed on his edges. Um, but it wasn't until I saw Connor do that that I just was like, I am, I'm, I am outclassed here by a, <laughs> by a player that in that much uh, speed. It was, it was otherworldly. So, um, yeah. It, and then, you know, for me, watching him pick up the puck, you're like, get five guys above him every time he touches it uh, and and hope that he doesn't hang two. You can live with him getting one, but if he gets two, then you're off to the races and he could have five. Yeah, you know, it's probably – well, it's not probably. It's way different seeing him on the ice in person when you were playing against him. I can't imagine what that looks like because it looks amazing on TV, but it's probably even greater – when it happens like right there in front of you on the ice. So I can't imagine that. I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I, we were talking about it not long ago. I can't remember the, the, the context of it, but we were talking about the fact that you're talking to, and, and I'm speaking of players in the league, you're talking to the best players in the world, the fastest skaters in the world, the best puck handlers in the world. And every single one of them is coming up and saying, can't touch that guy. Right. It's just the, the respect level of because of the 20 different ways he can beat you is, is through the roof. It's like, I mean, we're talking about it's a LeBron James situation in, in the NBA right now. Right. It's just he's that far ahead of everybody else in every category. Yeah, for sure. You made me think of one more question that I wanted to ask you um, when we talk about McDavid and Mc, we haven't seen McDavid play for Team Canada yet on best on best. And I think that's atrocious. We haven't seen Austin Matthews play best on best. And I know we got the Kachuk brothers now and the Hughes are probably going to have some impact on the Olympics when they come around now. Um, When I think of team USA, uh, the Matthews Hughes one, two punch down the middle. And then you could, if all things go right at both brothers on defense, like it just is unbelievable what they could come up with. Are you as a former Olympian yourself annoyed with how this has all gone down? And are you, are you like begging, like, please give me a world cup of hockey? Yes. Um, as much as everybody else is and probably more. So I think we're wasting, we're wasting primes of some of the best players that have come through our game in a long period of time. Um, and some of it's, it always comes down to financial bullshit, doesn't it? It's a shame. Um, the money. And then, you know what, on top of it, there was a major setback with COVID and, and we lost some stuff and every, and that's just, that's the way the world, uh, uh, you know, everybody's complaining about something from COVID and the after effects, but at the same time, we, you know, we as, I guess I'm in that category now as fans, you want to see the best players play the best players. And I could, I couldn't imagine seeing a one, two punch. You got McKinnon and then you got, you got McDavid, McKinnon, Crosby and Bergeron as your centers. If you make the team today, right. That's, that's a scary, I mean, that's scary. Um, There's some superstars that are going to get shafted. Like you could make, you could make two team Canada teams that would probably be golden runner up or right there for runner up. And that's the problem with me is where you, you look at the, the landscape of what the world cup would be. You have Canada, USA, Russia is always in the mix, Sweden, um, Finland can compete, but the drop off after those countries is just so deep or, or so vast. I'm sorry that you, I would like to see the competition deepened by putting a, another international squad together. Take Czechoslovakia, Slovakia, 
you know, Slovenia, if you're going to bring Kopitar in, whatever, make us make a strong eighth team to, to compete, not just to be there to run over, but to compete. I would love to see another under 23 team. I thought that was brilliant. Um, so there's so many unique ways to do it. I just, you, you have to find a way to get it done. Team Europe made it to the final and team under 23 and team North America. They were the most exciting team of the bunch. By I'm far. With you. It was incredible. And we saw it in the world baseball classic guys like Xander Bogarts and stuff, getting to play for team Israel or, you know, countries they're not actually from because yeah. of different rules and regular, like you, they could do some cool stuff. And for I'm sure. with you on that. Frank, do you have anything else for Bobby? Yeah. I just want to know. So this time, all this time we've talked with you here today, it, it seems like, I thought it was the opposite, but it seems like you have more of a soft spot for Ottawa than you have Anaheim, which I thought it'd be Anaheim because of you were drafted by them and you started your career with them. But do you have a soft spot for Anaheim to get Connor Bedard? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And you know what? I think I have a soft spot because I'm so far, I'm, I'm so far removed from my Anaheim days. Um, and I have a soft spot for Ottawa because I cover them and I, and I've, I've watched them go through the highs and lows this year. And Anaheim's an afterthought just because of the time change most nights. And and they're not, a, they're not a very exciting team to watch. They really aren't. Um, no, unless Zegris is on the ice. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I'm not very optimistic about their future. I think they got some good players, but they got a lot of work to do. And I like Pat Verbeek. I think he's going to do a really good job there. Um, but it's going to take three, four years for him to make his imprint on that team and, and get his guys in and things like that. So um, I, I think I'm more partial to Ottawa just because of, you know, the, the, the time, the time frame that I was there. And I know a lot of the players still firsthand. I only know, you know, John Gibson from hello and Cam Fowler from without there. And that's about it anymore. For sure. Well, hopefully all those teams end up having some success. Cause I do think it's better when every team in the league has something to cheer on. And yeah. when I saw the other day that Zegris was born in 2001 and he didn't know what a VHS tape was, yeah. I, yeah. I, I wanted to just cut everything out of my life away and just be done. Like I, that annoyed me. Yeah. But, I, think, I think Trevor probably knows what a VHS tape is. I think he, uh, I, I think Trevor knows exactly where a camera is at all times. <laughs> that, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. I love that, the kid though. I love the way he plays. Me too. Great hands, nice hair, handsome. He's just got it all going. Yeah. We got to find something wrong with Trevor Zegers so we can right. make fun of him for something. The NHL is doing a hell of a job marketing him, though. I will give him that. Absolutely. Cover of the video game and all that. So, Bobby, we can't thank you enough for coming on our show. This has been an absolute pleasure. You've given us so much of your time. Promote yourself. Promote what you're doing with your podcast. Tell everyone why they should listen to it. Uh, if you're a Sens fan... The, the reasons speak for themselves. We're, we're covering the Sens. We're going to get out of the Sens stuff a little more here going forward because of the playoffs and the implications and, the, and, and all the series. So um, we got a good thing going. We're live usually most Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central time, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Coming In Hot uh, with Brent Wallace, Jason York, and myself. And um, we're having a lot of fun. It, the show has been off the rails because we've been talking more masters than hockey. So if you like, if you like golf, <laughs> listen on Monday. We'll be live again. But uh, no, I appreciate it, guys. It was a great time. Hope you guys enjoy the Easter holiday and the weekend and uh, and the Masters tournament. I got the Masters tournament on right here. I'm never that far away. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm all into all sports just as well. So I, I'm it. with you on that. I appreciate it. We'd love to have you back sometime. Thank, Thank you very you. much for coming on. And Frank, I think that's it for Bobby Ryan. Thank you very much. And we would Good like again. to. Thank you again. We would like to send you to period number two. Welcome to period two. I forgot to send it to period one again with a guest. Friend. I know. And I had that in my head. I'm like, he's not going to. I knew before you weren't going to send it to period one. Then why wouldn't you say something? Because I didn't know if you wanted to or not. I didn't want to cut you off. You gave your whole spiel. 
I'm not in the middle of you saying, and we got a special guest today. I'm not going to say Vince, period one. Like, just let just let him finish. <laughs> That's funny. Well, that was period one with Bobby Ryan. What'd you think? It was very fun to talk to him because we've never, we talked to John Scott. So we've talked to a former NHL player before, but we've never talked to a former NHL player that was drafted second. Bobby Ryan like, probably had more games in one season than John Scott had in his career. Exactly. So <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I know, obviously, but it's just um it was it was very unique to have a, a guest of his caliber on our show because we've never had it before. Absolutely. That was fun. Uh, I, I love though my favorite part of the interview, Frank. There were two. My fa- my first favorite part was that I nailed how much fun Vancouver, Nashville, and Montreal are. And if you go there, you're having a time. You're having a time. Oh, man. Maybe when I get married, my bachelor party, I think I want to have it in Montreal. I'm not even kidding. Okay. I, I honestly think that that's going to be a possible destination. Like, I want to go to Montreal really bad. Um, sure. And I just think a weekend there with the boys, go to a Habs game. Oh, sign me up. Um, Frank, there were some other things that went on in the NHL news over the last week or so. Oh, I wanted to tell you the other thing I loved most from the interview, though. The absolute hard on you got when he said that Jonathan Taves oh, was yeah. a pain in the ass to play against. That's Describe what that felt like to me. Oh, it felt amazing because, you know, a lot of people, I think, look at Jonathan Taves now and it's not, they don't think of what he's done his whole career. And I think like Jonathan Taves has kind of got a bad reputation now. It's like, yeah, Jonathan Taves kind of stinks. I think there's a recency bias there. So the fact that he just said Taze was a pain in the ass to play against, it just made me feel good because deep down I know how good Taze is, and that's my boy. He's my favorite player to ever play in the NHL, and it felt good. Taze was amazing, and when Taze retires, nobody's going to question that. There's not a single person that's going to question. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, they'll retire his number. I mean, nobody's going to really question Taze's greatness, I think. Um, Katie kind of made me – Regret not asking him to rank Philly, Anaheim, and whoever for the number one overall pick for Bedard. You think he would take Philly over? No, um, take Anaheim because I asked him if there was a soft spot for Anaheim for Bedard, and he said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "Yeah." If he went to Philly, I would choke myself. I think he'd want him to go to Anaheim. I think. Yeah, and I'm watching the Blue Jackets play the Devils yesterday, and those guys are such pricks, too. I think if he went to Columbus, I think I would choke myself. <laughs> I do not want Bedard to go to the East. I would sign up for him to go to – It would like, kind of if he was in Coyotes, too, because he'd have to play in that arena. That's cool, though. Eh. That's cool. I've watched games there. That's fun. <laughs> it's fun. They like it. Those fans are off the hook. Yeah, so the NHL is going to lose money because you're only going to have 5,000 people able to go see them every night. You know what's funny, though? Because they only hold so many fans. Because they only hold so many fans, they're like near the top of NHL attendance in terms of percent. Yeah, I'm not surprised. (laughs) It's really funny, yeah, because I can just invite all my high school friends out for a game and we can fill the rink. It's ridiculous. Frank, that's really funny. We yesterday had the Frozen Four begin. And that's where I want to start period number two. Minnesota played BU. And I told you on last week's show, don't underestimate Quinnipiac. All four of these teams are here for a reason. 10, 15 years ago, Quinnipiac sucked. 
They weren't a shit for a hockey market. Wait, who are we talking about? You said Minnesota played BU, and then you just jumped the gun. And, and, and I and then I said Quinnipiac played Michigan. I said both. Oh, I didn't hear the Michigan. Yeah, and I I said both. And we'll get to both matchups, and we'll probably start with Minnesota. But I just want to say about my guys at Quinnipiac, and I I bet on Michigan. I lost. I thought Michigan was going to win, but I in no way ever thought Quinnipiac was a, a like they're just not a loser program anymore. They they could win the Natty any given year. And I truly believe that they have great facilities. They have outstanding coaching staffs. Their coach was the coach of Team USA in the uh, World Juniors. And their coach was out there yesterday telling people, Luke Hughes could play in the NHL right now. I'm happy he chose to play college hockey this year, even though he might kick our ass tonight. I got to coach him in the World Juniors. And then he ended up going out there with his balls. And they beat Michigan in the, first, or in the second game. But let's start with the first game. Logan Cooley. Matthew Nyes, Jimmy Snuggerud, Snuggerud. I like Snuggerud better. Uh, Bucci was, was calling him Snuggerud, but we're going to call him Snuggerud. Bucci, friend of the program. It, it, it reads like Snuggerud for sure. They were outstanding, Frank. I think, the, I think Nyes will play for the Leafs as soon as next season. Snuggerud will be a blue soon, and Logan Cooley, Logan Cooley might be a Coyote next week. I mean – there was no surprises in this game, really. I mean, it was tied after two periods. It looked like it was going to be a pretty close game. Yeah, Drew Camessa was amazing. Where maybe oh, – I love Drew Camessa. Where uh, maybe Boston University is going to pull one out of the bag, right? But there's one name you forgot to mention, and he was perhaps the biggest face of this game, and that's Luke Middlestat, who scored two goals a minute and 49 seconds apart to give him a 4-2 lead in the third. So if it's not for him – who knows what happens? Maybe yeah. who sneak, sneaks one out here. And then Logan Cooley pots two empty netters. Was it two? Yeah, he had two empty yeah. netters. Um, uh, so, yeah, if it was Luke Middlestat, what what an athlete. He so, was the, the turning point in this game. Yeah, Logan Cooley is probably the best player in college hockey this season. It was either him or Luke Hughes. I, I think Logan Cooley, Logan Cooley, if I'm ranking the NHL prospects that I haven't played in the NHL, 1 to 10, Logan Cooley comes in at 1. And I would probably put Luke Hughes too. I Nemich would be in my top five. The kid from Nashville would be up there. Columbus has a couple guys, but uh, this kid Cooley's amazing. But is Luke Middlestat is he related to Casey Middlestat? That I have no idea. I would just assume so because Middlestat's such a, a rare last name. And he, he played college hockey, and he was drafted when we were there in Chicago. I would say that they're probably related, if I had to guess. Somebody yeah. could do research on that. I got you. I but got you. I, I'm almost – I would almost say for sure that they're related. And now, because Minnesota won and advanced to the national championship, it'll be the sixth time they're playing for the national championship. And it's actually, oddly enough, the first national championship they'll compete in since 2003. It's been 20 years since Minnesota's had the chance to play for the national championship. That's crazy. Did you you know the Michigan goal? Mm -hmm. That was against Minnesota all those years ago. Really? Yeah. Um, Luke Middlestat is related to Casey Middlestat, so Figure. that is locked in. You I got a last name cool. like Middlestat. It's very rare. Probably. It's not Smith. Yeah. So I I kind of assumed they were related. Yeah, and I believe Casey also went to uh, Minnesota, if I remember correctly. I can actually just click on his name right here. And lock in that little bit of fact as well. If probably did right. 
I, I know he's a Minnesota boy. Like, they're both from Minnesota. Like, I did know that. Yes, he did go to the University of Minnesota for one year where he was a very good player, became a first-round pick by the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, played World Juniors, had 11 points in seven World Junior games. Holy shit. Unbelievable run for him, and he's having a pretty good year this year. After looking like he wasn't – I was never going to use the B word for Casey Middlestat, but it took him a minute to become a solid NHL contributor. And this year he's got – Huh? You think Luke's better? It's hard to say. He's better than a 50-point NHL player. He could go on to be. And I think Casey has Casey has another level to get to, too. So you never know. You're right. Um, you know, unless you're talking about, like, absolute S-tier players, like superstars, like Logan Cooley or like Luke Hughes, it's hard to project, like – those guys could be hit or miss in the NHL where like you're pretty confident Logan Cooley and Luke Hughes are going to be good NHL players relatively right. quickly. Absolutely. So, and then in the other game, the big upset Quinnipiac beats Michigan ruined my Hughes parlay. That would have hit if Michigan would have won. Um, I'd say they stunned Michigan. A lot, really? of people, a lot of people backed Michigan here. I know I did too. I backed, I backed Michigan too, but I'll tell and you what. I have a reason why. Go ahead. Tell me. I was listening to Spittin' Chicklets. You know, we touched on Ryan Whitney with Bobby Ryan. Um, Grinelli, Michael Grinelli, he's a big college hockey guy, and I get a lot of my college hockey information from him and the blogs. Um, he had a future on Quinnipiac preseason, and wow. he was so confident that they were going to beat Michigan. He was so – it was like not a doubt in his mind. The odds and he was happened. right. I know he's going to cash in on this big ticket. If they uh, listen, I'm going to pick Minnesota. I might even throw a little change on him. Yeah. I but I will not be surprised if Quinnipiac wins. Go ahead. Well, I think the reason why so many people backed Michigan here is because Quinnipiac never have beaten Michigan in program history. They were 0 for 5. And until something like that happens, the, the doubters are going to doubt. It's kind of like, the way I feel about the Maple Leafs, I'm going to keep doubting on the Maple Leafs until it happens, right? So, and I think a lot of people felt the same way with Michigan here. And, you know, Michigan's the bigger school, they're ranked higher. So, I mean, there's good reason as to why a lot of people thought Michigan was going to win. But, hey, it was tied 2-2 after the second period as well, much like the Minnesota-Boston game. And then goals by Sam Lipkin, Zach Metza, and Ethan DeJong in the third period propelled Quinnipiac to the stunner. Big night also for Jacob Keelan. He had two goals, one assist. He scored both first-period goals. He was a big factor, much like Middlestat was in the uh, Minnesota game. Um, but ultimately why – Quinnipiac prevailed is because they were just they were the better team five on five they were the better overall team that night both teams went over three on the power play um so it, it came down to who's the better five on five team that night and that night it was Quinnipiac so congrats to them um I think it's going to be a very entertaining final but I think Minnesota is going to pull away late I got Minnesota you want me to get my prediction you're muted by the way yeah, you can give your prediction. This is our last show before the game, so and we're going to watch it together. It'll be on one of the TVs. So. Right. So Lay it on me, pal. This, to me, this game has the vibe of UConn versus San Diego State National Championship vibes to me, where San Diego State 
is Quinnipiac and UConn is Minnesota, where San Diego State, they created those upsets. They got to the championship, kind of like Quinnipiac. They created those upsets, got to the championship. But I think Minnesota here is going to be too strong like UConn was. UConn won by double digits. I think Minnesota pulls away and kind of wins in a semi-blowout of like 5-2. to two. I really do. I think it, it, it might be close in the beginning, but I really think they, they're going to the better team's going to prevail and you're going to see it in a dominant way. Very interesting. I got Quinnipiac. Wow. I think they're going to win the championship for the first time in program history. And I'm saying that not because I, I'm rooting for that. I want Quinnipiac to win. And I'm not going to – like, obviously I know Minnesota's capable of winning. I guess, I guess if I – like, I might put some money on Minnesota just for the value, and I might parlay it with the Devils or, you know, because they're going to be an underdog against the Bruins. Uh, even though McAvoy and Krejci aren't playing. Like, I honestly think there's value on the Devils, too, talking betting. But I I like Quinnipiac, and I, I, I just hope it's an entertaining game. That's all I'm asking for. That's all I'm asking for is a really good game. Uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Quinnipiac wins the game in overtime 4-3. to three. So that's going to be where I go, even though, like, I, this is one of those games where I reserve the right to not be clowned if I'm wrong. Because it's not one of those, I guarantee that this is going to happen type of games. I'm just rooting for Quinnipiac. I want to see them win. I Everyone agree. deserves a natty. I, like, and they've been I, so good. I root for the underdog. But I, in my heart, and my brain, it says Minnesota. Tell me this. Do you believe in fate? Yeah. They just feel like a team of destiny. And yesterday when they had that big game, do you know who scored the first goal of the Colorado Avalanche game yesterday? Was it Rantanen? No, even though Rantanen had a hat trick. Who was it? It was Devin Taves, the best Quinnipiac alumni in the NHL right now. Like the and he he's a good defenseman. He's a really good defenseman, and he's part of the reason Colorado's so good because they have all these great defensemen. And outside of Kale McCarr, they can all make the claim as the number two. Um, I don't know. It just feels like he was so juiced about Quinnipiac winning that he went out and scored a goal. That's awesome. It just seems like every time a team has that big win, the next game they come out just a giant letdown, right? Yeah. There were a couple times in March Madness this year where a team pulled off a big upset, and then they went on to win their second game. Well, like Florida Atlantic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't a big upset. Yeah. It's as they went down the line and they started beating top level one seeds, two seeds, then it started to become. Yeah, but. absolutely. Did you know Minnesota or Michigan, Turn mute, mute the TV, Michigan fans, <laughs> they have lost in the semifinal in football and, and hockey each of the last two seasons. It's rough. They're rough the time. It's of uh, – NCAA hockey. Yeah, except for this year. It's the Leafs are gonna blow the doors off everyone they play. We talk about that. Yeah. Um, which be light on your predictions because we do have a playoff prediction show. Well, this is this is the second to last. Yeah, this is the second to last show before playoff prediction. So yeah, you can pretty much say whatever you want, actually. Well, I mean, I don't that's my only prediction is that series because like we said, nothing else is really locked up. Yeah. Frank, and speaking of nothing being locked up, the Devils are 
Knock, knock, knocking on Metro's door. They're one point out. They have played one extra game. I I have hope. You probably don't because you're a hater. You're a hater, hater. And you're going to pick the freaking Rangers in the first round too, I bet. No, no, no. But I I, I don't know. I, like Carolina, they don't score anymore. And they don't have Svechnikov. You know, they went out there and let Nashville shut them out. Like, what? what why can't the Devils win the Metro if they're one point back? Bobby agrees with me. He thinks the Hurricanes are coming out of the Metro. I, I completely agree. I think right now, I mean, the Devils are right there. When you look at it, one point behind, it's like, yeah, here we go. I mean, the Devils are right there. However, there's going to be another example down the line why a game in hand is just so important, that extra game they have. And the Devils have been playing great. They've been playing fantastic hockey. Two huge statement wins, a 5-2 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins, and a team they need to beat, those bottom feeders like the Columbus Blue Jackets, they come out and beat them 8-1. to one. That's the way you're supposed to They dominate them. bad. Even yeah. Joey Parisi said that, complimented them yesterday, because the Bruins haven't even done that quite the same. That's the type of games you have to have against those bottom-feeding teams. Something hint, hint that Calgary didn't do against the Blackhawks, but... <laughs> Anyway, that was bad for both teams. Wrote an we'll article talk, about, we'll that. about that. But dumb. The hur or the Devils have been playing great hockey, right? But now let's flip the script. The Hurricanes have the easier remaining schedule. Their their remaining games are going to Buffalo, then they're going to Ottawa. They'll come home to play Detroit, and then they'll end in Florida, where the Devils will go to Boston. Tough, tough game. They'll play Buffalo. Buffalo will be competitive, and then they end in Washington, which that's not easy either. Plus, I mean, you have the disadvantage of not having a game in hand played. Now, the Hurricanes, the reason why I say the Hurricanes' schedule is a lot easier, which if you didn't just already know by the teams we named, they also, they also haven't lost to Buffalo or Ottawa all season. So those are two games, two of the remaining four games who they've dominated all season, which obviously that's going to, in my eyes, going to help them out a little bit because I say when you own a team, you own a team. I mean, there was that stretch where the Hawks beat, like, Columbus, like – or no, I think it was the other way around. The Hawks couldn't beat Columbus, or they beat Columbus, like, five years in a row. It was something ridiculous. Um, so I say when you own a team, you own a team. And right now the fate's out of the devil's hands. I hate when a team doesn't own their own fate. Devils could win out, and they might not make it in because it, it's all up to Carolina because they have that extra point in game in hand. So I don't like when the fate is not in your own team's hands. So I, I give the edge to the Hurricanes here. I'm sorry, VP. Anything can happen. I I oh. agree. I mean, deep down inside, I agree. It's hard to make up a point with three games left. We've with talked about that. Hand. We've talked about that, you know, for years on this show. You, you know, when you're in December and you're down five points in the standings, it's hard to come back from that. It doesn't seem like a lot. Like – like when the Hawks went 0-9-0 to start the season, they hired Luke Richardson – or not Luke Richardson. They hired uh, – what the frick was his Derek name? King. Derek King. The King. I remember the King. Happy they hired enough. Derek King. They won three in a row. And people are like, the Hawks are going to end up making the playoffs, even though the freaking starting 0-9 put them in like a 10-point – you know, deficit of the playoff line. I'm like, there's no chance they make the playoffs. They could go 500 the rest of the way. They could go 600 the rest of the way and still miss playoffs. And, you know, got some heat for that, but it ended up being true because they were actually pretty decent, uh, you know, in the second half of that season. 
and thank God they didn't win the draft lottery last year. And I told you that. That's another thing. Mike can't win the draft lottery this year. Shane Wright's an okay player. Then Slavkovsky, whoever you would say, ain't nobody. But imagine if Columbus had two. They were. Imagine if Columbus had the first and third best odds to win Bedard. They'd be getting Bedard and Fantilli this year. If the Hawk, if the Hawks would have won the lottery last year, oh, nasty, <laughs> Na- nasty to think about. Thank God I was right on that. Um, because man, if the Hawks were thinking about handing over their unprotected first round pick this year to Columbus, could you imagine? Yeah, I can, I can, and I can. I almost want to throw up thinking about it. But we'll see if the Devils are able to pull that off. Um, I know you've been locked and loaded, waiting to. You know, talk about this topic because you haven't watched the Lightning at all in the last month. Well, don't and seen worry, how just absolutely atrocious they've been in the second half of this season. Like they're lucky to even be making playoffs in a non-wild card spot. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Toronto Maple Leafs are locked in as playoff opponents for the first round. It is the only currently locked in playoff series entering the weekend. I know you have some freaking thoughts on it. Listen. All I'm saying is, yes, I realize the Lightning have been stone cold. I understand that. It's been bright and sunny. There's been no lightning storms lately. I get it, okay? But let's not forget, this is a team with 96 points on the verge of hitting the century mark. They were outstanding in the first half. And they're 17 games over 500. I mean, just that can't go unnoticed. No. And not to mention. He has a career goals against in the playoffs of 230 and a career save percentage of 923 in the playoffs when games are supposed to be harder to win. This is a team that stands on their head. They're completely different, a different mentality going into the playoffs. And not only that, they're used to this. We're used to the Tampa Bay Lightning laying low and winning a Stanley Cup or dominating in the playoffs. I mean, what was it? Tampa Bay, where we made that comment where Joey's like, oh, Tampa Bay, uh, they're, they're having a rough year this year. Was that last year or two years ago? Last it? year, yeah. And he's like, oh, and, and we even said, be careful. I mean, it's it's early in the season. Teams need like a month to get up, started uh, on the right foot. And look what happened. They make it to the conference finals again. I mean, this is a team that can't be overlooked at all. And I remember last week you said you could see Toronto winning in four or five, which to me is blasphemy. Because you're not giving this team enough credit at all. Unbelievable. I mean, the stuff that that just unbelievable. I would pick any of the wild card teams over Tampa Bay in a seven game series. You think they could get swept? Yeah. No. I, I, to me, it's impossible. I would never pick it either in a bracket. I wouldn't pick it. I would pick five or six. You I have enough respect. Five. Even five is atrocious. I think when I'm when I have money on the line in a bracket, I think betting six is like the obvious choice for pretty much every series. I mean, picking six is like chalk. And, but uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, dude, I said it last week about the wild, go into Colorado and put your balls on the table and beat the Colorado avalanche. And they did. They did. They beat Colorado just like I said they would last week. And it's time for the Toronto Maple Balls to freaking be put on the table and you go to the playoffs, you host the first two games, you dummy the lightning in both of them. You take one of the two at Amelie Arena and you (laughs) go back to Tampa Bay for game five and you win the series. Your first 
playoff series victory for the first time since 2004, the Toronto Maple Leafs. At least you're giving the Lightning a game because last week you were talking about a sweep. So It wouldn't shock me at all. The Lightning stink. They have Hall of Famers at every position, yeah. but they're worn down. Listen, they could win the Cup again next year. They're, they, they need a summer off. So, they need a summer off. Yeah. They'll, they'll be done by the end of April, and it'll be their first time not playing hockey in May since freaking before the pandemic. So what's the excuse when Toronto loses? If Toronto now, loses – and, and I don't – even if it goes seven games, oh, I could see the headline now. I get like I'm playing this scenario out my head. Like oh, last year? Toronto loses another one-goal game in game seven. That's the excuse. I'm tired of that. They can't win. They can't win. It, if it, the Maple Leafs lose – if the Maple Leafs lose in the first round again, I don't care how this time. Last year I did care, and I still care. I don't want they, to. They went to the cup. The 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 Lightning went to the cup. The That's Leafs. Fine. The Leafs would have went to the cup if they beat freaking the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game I, Seven. I don't want that game. excuse this year. You no, even you don't get it this year. Cup, even if they go to the cup, I know. Losing Game I know. Seven, I want no excuse. I agree. That this year. I stand by all my statements from last year. I stand by all of them. I'll take those to my grave. This year, there's no excuse. You traded for Ryan O'Reilly. So one, two, three, down the middle. You're going Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly. Oh, who are your wingers? Oh, just some guys named William Nylander and Mitch Marner who are both having career years. They better win in the first round and i think they will and if they don't i don't care if they lose i don't care if austin matthews hits the post and victor hedman picks up the rebound shoves <laughs> it up the ice to steven stamkos and he buries the game winner in overtime of game seven i don't care if they were that close to winning the series i will say it was a major 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 f up if they lose in the first round to the tampa bay lightning no matter the circumstance last year they gained valuable experience by that. I think they, they they were the two best teams in the league competing in the first round last year. It was bullshit that they were competing in the first round. I would have taken either of them over the Florida Panthers in the second round, and you would have too, because if the Leafs finally got rid of that first round stink, you have no reason to pick against them in the second round, right? Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, probably. But, but I mean – Jesus, they better freaking win in the playoffs this year. If they don't reach the second round, they're cursed. They're cursed. They like, may never win a first series. So if they lose this year, they're done. That's do, it. If they lose in the first round, Dubas is gone. Because there might I, not be a better team for them to win with then. Kyle, no, absolutely. So if it's not this year, they ain't winning anything. Leafs fans. I don't care what you say. Austin Matthews is the best player you've ever had. Don't give me Matt Sundin. Don't give me, you know, whoever it is you're going to try and give me. The greatest player in Toronto Maple Leafs history is Austin Emmanuel Matthews. And you're not going to tell me. Uh, his middle name's not actually Emmanuel, by the way. Well, I didn't think so. but um, <laughs> And Dubas, they didn't give Dubas a contract. The GM. For beyond this year, they they fire him. It wouldn't be firing. They just wouldn't be bringing him back. Dubas kind of has it nice. He either gets a contractor extension or walks as a free agent. He's not going to get fired, even though people will see it as getting fired if they don't bring him back. I think they can Sheldon Keith if they lose in the first round. Their coach, they probably fire all the assistants, and one of Marner or Nylander are gone if they lose in the first round. They will make a major 
seismic change to their oh, roster yeah. if they lose in the first round again. There is no doubt in my mind about it. Like they, there's only they added Jake McCabe's a really good. He's their number four. He's number two on a lot of teams. I'm just telling you, Frank. the The Leafs have everything on the line this year, and I have nothing but reason to believe that they'll get it done. If they don't get it done, and maybe, and maybe everything I'm talking about just puts too much pressure on them. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I, I the, the Leafs better win. They better beat the Lightning. I mean. All those guys might get canned if they don't win the cup, to be honest with you. When you look at that roster and you see Matt Murray and Samsonov playing as well as they played this season, it's like, okay, the Leafs got some goaltending. Um, their defense with Morgan Riley, Jake McCabe, um, Lilligren, you know, they got some re- uh they got some really good defensemen on that team. And then their forward unit is stacked. It's so good. Their third line is as good as it's ever been. They don't got 90-year-old Wayne Simmons playing for them anymore. They went and got Ryan O'Reilly, who Ryan O'Reilly's not the same player that he was like five, oh, but he's no, a no. he's a really good player. He's a you know, Ryan O'Reilly reminds me of Taves like two years ago. Just a solid, good yeah. centerman that has oh, so no. much experience. Absolutely. And they got Pierre Engvall. Matthew Bunting is a really good player. Um, there was one other big name they traded for that I was excited about for them. Do they have Lafferty now? They have Lafferty. Yeah. Yeah, they have Lafferty. Uh, I, the Maple Leafs better win. They better win. It would be hilarious if they lost them like five. That would be kind of funny because I'm not a Maple – people probably think I'm a Maple Leafs diehard. The only team I'm like truly like as passionate about is like where it will ruin my life if they lose is the Devils, but the Devils don't have that kind of pressure on them this year. If they lose in the first round of the Rangers this year, people are going to be like, oh, well, that was a really nice season for the Devils. See you next year, Jack Hughes, who's still only 22 years old coming I into know, the year. I know damn well if the Devils were playing the Leafs in the first round, you'd be hoping the Leafs lose. I don't think the Devils would win a playoff series against the Leafs. But you would be hoping they would lose. Oh, of course I would. Uh, you know, all my narratives go by the wayside. All my biases and, you know, our shtick on the show is us arguing about the Leafs. Every shtick, every bias, every act we put on here goes by the wayside when it comes to the Devils. I hope the Devils destroy everyone. If I was on the opposing team of the Devils, I'd want to lose. So that's honestly just let one in. (laughs) That's a question I'll ask Bobby Ryan if we ever give him back. Like, was there a side like you were a Flyers diehard? What was it like first time playing them? I wouldn't want to score a goal against the Devils. I'd want them to win. I'd want them to beat me. But maybe you want to because they might want you on their team. That's true. They're like, wow, this kid dominates us. Instead of having to play against them, let's just add him. Let's go. If you if you can't beat him, add him. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah. Well, that's Leafs lightning. Frank, don't you know how f- fun hockey would be, though, if the Leafs made it that far? No. The Leafs are like the Cowboys of the NHL. Like, even though nobody likes them, people can't stop talking about them. The you, you, I didn't say you have attachment, but you can't stop talking about them. Nobody could stop talking about them. Yeah. They, they, are, that way, they are at the headline – they're at the forefront of every hockey conversation, no matter where they are in the standings, just like the Dallas Cowboys. Even if it's bad? Like, I'd rather nobody talk. Like, if somebody's going to talk bad about me, I'd rather just not talk at all. No, but I do think the Leafs are so deep in everyone's head that 
people just can't help it but to talk about the Leafs, good or bad. I mean, I think they're deep in their own head because they can't win. It, dude, I Austin Matthews better shut people like you up. I swear, if they don't, I'm I'll be out on them. I'll be out on them. They're not going to be as good next year as they are this year. What I'm sure. saying is that that they haven't won is not that's fact. That's not I'm not fact. shitting on your opinion at all. No, I know the only opinion you have I shit on is the Ovechkin one. That's yeah, the only one I think you're it's a not an opinion. On. I have it's fact they haven't won. No, they have not won, and if they don't win again, this I. You probably agree with this. They're not going to be as good next year as they are. No, this, this is the best Leafs team that they had. So if they can't win now, it's I think it's the best Leafs team ever. Wow. Ever. Okay. I don't know. It's tough. They're probably going to break their own franchise. Po- are they going to break their own franchise? I think their franchise points record was last year. I don't know what it is. But last year, last whatever last year's total is, but they didn't add Ryan O'Reilly last year. You know, they were relying on some other goofy goobers on their fourth line. You had guys like Spezza. And you know Wayne Train. That's not like that this year. It's just not like that this year. And freaking who is the go- Campbell? They had the goalie Campbell last year, who got booted out of Edmonton by a rookie. Like, I don't know. This is the best Leafs team on paper ever. And if they lose in the first round to Tampa Bay, then Tampa Bay might as well go win the freaking cup again. So their franchise points records one fifteen. Last year, yeah, I knew they broke it last year. They're probably probably not going to touch that this year. I don't know what they're. Or right. are they? Here, I got you on that standings. Oh, one oh three. Yeah, they're not going to touch yeah, that this year. But still, the, I'd just, rather I would take this year's team over last year's team in a seven game series. And like I said, O'Reilly, that's a big ad. It's a big ad. It's not O'Reilly of the past, but he's still O'Reilly. Yeah, hundred and twenty seven points by the Bruins. Jeebus Christ. Um, Austin Matthews also isn't coming off a 60 goal season this year. He didn't empty the tank in the final week to reach 60. Austin Matthews is as fresh entering the playoffs as he's ever been. It's true. It's time for him to take over a series like we saw. We're going to find out within the next month. So I think there's, they have a game in hand on Tampa Bay. If they win their game in hand, they're nine points up on them. So they're locked in to have home ice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not even a question. They are in the league standing sixth. And they could be they could be third. Or they could be f- fifth. They have a game in hand on every team ahead of them. Mm-hmm. So I think second in the league is out of the cut. Second and third in the league is out of the question. But... I don't know. The top of the central is interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Colorado really found new life, and they're now my favorite to win the central. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, they just defeated Dallas the other night. That was kind of like the nail in the coffin. We talked about that game last week to keep an eye on. I mean, they dominated them. They won 5-2. to two. They're 8-2-0 and oh in their last 10. I mean, they're they're getting hot right now at the right time. And, um, and after being tied with Dallas – now, I think they got a game in hand, I'm pretty sure. I don't have the standings pulled up, but I think they're tied at 100 points. Yes, this they are. Hand. Game in hand. Uh, yeah, so that – Let me see the tiebreakers. Here, I got to turn lock on my phone off, the screen lock. The tiebreaker belongs to Colorado by – oh, no. Dallas has the tiebreaker, and it's not going to be caught. 
Dallas has 36 regulation wins. Colorado has 33. Oh, yeah, that's not going to – So if they end – and the reason Colorado's ahead right now is because they have one less game played. Colorado has to finish with more points. And But, yeah, they've been hot, though. They're they're hot right now at the right time. And Yes. Rantanen's hat trick yesterday was insane. And Is and, he the quietest 50-goal scorer ever? Absolutely. I didn't know he was on 49. I didn't either. And, then, and I, I look at this shit every single day. And I look yesterday and he's at 52. So unreal player. The devil's passed on him for Zaka. He's gonna be the he's gonna be the quietest hundred point man because he's two points away from hundred points, and he's gonna surely get that. I could almost guarantee it. Taking Zaka with Ranton on the board is the quietest fuck up of all time. Well, so now you're gonna have two hundred point men on the team as well. Um, and and then the way Minnesota's playing, they've just been sickening to watch. They've lost three straight. When you're in a division race, you can't afford to lose three straight this late in the year. So I have them out. I got Colorado coming out on top in the Central. I just like the way they've been playing lately. And with three games left or four games left, I forgot how many they got left, I'm taking Colorado to win the Central. I'm with you. The Wild match up well against them. Dallas does not. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I have a somewhat personal bias towards the Wild. I, I've seen it. That's just been the way all season long. The Wild have been able to beat Colorado. I think Wild lose to Dallas, though. I honestly think it's like a three little three little way there. And the matchup isn't going to favor the Wild in the first round. Um, but I guess we'll see. Uh, the, the key is Kirill Kaprizov is back. He will make his return from injury, long-awaited return from injury, tomorrow. So that could be a big key in the playoffs too. If Kirill Kaprizov is at the height of his powers and it's time for the wild to not use Mark Andre Fleury anymore. Gustafson has been better and it's not close. Um, so interesting to see the route they go in the playoffs. Yeah. I would start Gustafson in game one with no hesitation to go to Mark Andre Fleury if need be. That's how I would handle it. And that's just how I feel about the top of the central right now. I'm very much, excited about this team it's i've always called it the black and blue division because every team in the division is kind of hard hitting like you know strong on the puck like different like power power forwards dominate that division more than any other division like there's no real jack hughes right in the division it's like jason robertson is a big boy and like mckin the nate dog is he gallops when he skates and like he's a big power forward Rantanen's huge kirill kaprizov is huge um, and the only team in the division that wears red is the Blackhawks, and they suck. So, yeah, that's why I feel that way. Um, we're looking at the wild card standings in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. and there are two spots available for three teams. The Florida Panthers climbed their way into wild card one after looking like they were dead. The New York Islanders hold wild card two, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are in ninth place in the conference. Um, Buffalo would need to win out, and one of these th- two of these three teams would essentially need to lose out. So I put RIP Buffalo. They're not mathematically dead, but for all intents and purposes, I think they're dead. Even though I really love Buffalo, like they've been one of my favorite teams to watch this season. And Tage Thompson's a dog, and Jack Quinn's a dog, and uh, Dylan Cousins is a dog. Shout out Tom. Um. I don't know. I don't know what you think of who gets in out of these two, but as a Devils fan that's hoping for the Devils to win the Metro, I hope it's not the Islanders because it's the only team I think they 
would have trouble with in a seven-game series just because of matchup purposes. I mean, it's very close. So Florida is another team that got hot at the right time. They won five in a row. Like you said, we thought they're dead and out of the water, but here they are. Kachuk is second in MVP if and I ever vote. And now it's like, are the Florida Panthers going to make the playoffs? They very well can. However, while they've been hot, their con here is they got to end three games in Washington. Then you're home against Toronto and home against Carolina. Those are a tough last three games to have. It's like, do the, does the buck stop here at five? Or do you continue your hot winning ways against some, some of the best teams in the league? I don't know. On the other hand, the Islanders get a big, big 6-1 win against Tampa Bay. But they have an easier schedule to end the season out. They play Philadelphia in Washington, and then they're home against Montreal. So you figure you at least got to win against Montreal or Philadelphia if you want to make the playoffs. I mean, this is crunch time right now. And then you flip over to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh defeats Minnesota, slumping Minnesota team 4-1, to to keep them one point behind Florida and the Islanders, right? So now – Pittsburgh ends their season against in Detroit, home against Chicago, in Columbus. Another fairly easy final three games of the season. So while Florida seems like they have the advantage of all three teams in the race, they got the toughest final three games to end the year. And these other teams got to beat those bottom feeders that we're talking about. They got to be like the Devils and beat the Blue Jackets eight to one. I mean, you got to come out. Yeah, winning two to one in a game, you're still getting two points. But that it doesn't it's not right in the locker room. It's just the not, not right man mentality to have. I mean, you got to come out and dominate these teams. You got to get, pick up both Islanders and Pittsburgh have to pick up four of these remaining six. Um, Pittsburgh really needs to pick up five out of six because they're already a game or a point out. Um, but it should be interesting. It's all going to come down to who blinks first. I really, it could be any of those three teams. Truly. If it's, Florida and the Islanders, I'm not surprised. If it's Florida and Pittsburgh, I'm not surprised. If it's Pittsburgh and the Islanders, I'm not surprised. So who blinks first? I agree, and I don't think we've ever collectively as a podcast gotten something wrong more than this race throughout the season. Everything we've said, the following opposite happens for the following <laughs> week, and then it looks completely different the following week. And we've we've covered – I think we've done a great job of covering the Eastern Conference wildcard race oh, this absolutely. season. And people who watch the show that – Huh? We talk about it every week. Every single week, and we've been wrong every time. Whenever we talked highly of Pittsburgh, they lost three in a row. And then we would shit on them on the next pod, say they're done, and then they'd win three in a row, and the next show they'd be in a postseason berth. Um, I don't know. As of right now, knowing that they, these three teams like to shit on my face, I think Florida and Pittsburgh get it done, and the Islanders miss. Wow. And if Florida and Pittsburgh get in, VP went eight for eight on his preview preseason Eastern Conference playoff teams. That's why I'm rooting for it. I mean, it's just going to come down to how well the Panthers perform in these last three games. I mean, Toronto and Carolina. Now, I don't know. It could it could work in Florida's favor, where if Carolina's got the division locked up they might not start some guys right so i mean and same goes with toronto because toronto ain't going up or down anywhere they're not going to catch the bruins and they're not going to go down and i mean they're locked in with playing the lightning at home ice so that that could very well play out in their favor as well i don't know how much rest these guys will get i don't know if there's 
you know, certain milestones they want to reach or how the coaches feel about ref. You know, everybody's coaching mentality is different. Where do you stand on that? I don't mind resting some players on the final game. I I get worried about like rustiness. And, and I think off is that rusty though? I don't know. I, I think there's a way to combat it though. I think you play everyone and they all play 15 minutes no matter what. Everyone gets to touch yeah, the puck. Fair. Everyone, you know, give and every D every D well, plays. Tell the guys, like boys, don't you don't have to burn yourself out before playoffs start. Just go out, go through the motions, and you know. yeah. If if you're down one late, I'm not giving Jack Hughes extra minutes. I'm giving McLeod and Wood and all these guys a chance to tie the game. Like, you know, instead of give like every single forward line gets 15 minutes of ice. You know what? I like that. I and like then that. every D gets 18 to 20. You know, obviously the top because there's only six. The top pair might get 20, and the other two pairs get 18. None of this. None of this. 25, 26 minutes for McAvoy. Right, like you know, Dougie yeah. Hamilton, you, Doug, Doug Hamilton, and Siegenthaler. You guys are the third pair tonight. You're going to play 15 minutes. Everybody plays. Everybody gets their touches, their reps, whatever you want to call it. But no, you know, it's it's like a mix of both. Not yeah. like that. Not like that sick league NBA you got where guys are playing 60 games a season and been being pissed off on Twitter that they can't win the freaking MVP because of it. Kevin Durant. Um which we'll talk about my favorite NBA team in the third period. Very much looking forward to talking about my Kings, my Kings. Um, Frank, the top of the Pacific, almost as intriguing as the top of the central, if not more. Almost um, as intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. So the Vegas Golden Knights seem to have it in the bag as they enter the final three games with a three point lead, but my Edmonton Oilers, a lot of Bobby Ryan said a lot of things. The only thing I vehemently disagree with him on is his analysis of the Oilers. I've watched the Oilers every single game pretty much this season, especially in the second half, and they've been better than the Bruins. They have, like, statistically, the best team in the league since January 11th in almost every way. And January 11th is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like the Oilers. I don't think they're going to making up those three games or those three points is really hard. I think they're better than Vegas. I think they smoke LA in a, in the series. Wow. Like I, I honestly think they're going to dummy them because the Oilers showed me, and I was worried about the Kings. They just played them, and it was the second half of a back to back for the Oilers, and the Kings were fresh, and the Oilers were able to dumb it down and win a tight checking three two one game with an empty netter. The game where McDavid made the extremely charitable pass to Nugent Hopkins before passing it to Zach Hyman for the empty net goal to get uh, RNH his one hundredth point. Um, I I think Edmonton takes care of business against LA because they have proven to me now that they can win the tight two one game. The empty netter. Yeah, the the Hyman or no Nugent. No, maybe the Nugent Hopkins ones was against Arizona, but they played the Kings. They they played the Kings too in this week, and it was a close game, and they won. And I don't know. I just I like what I've seen from the Oilers and I I think they're the best team in the Pacific. Um I think they can win the cup. Interesting. I mean they defeated um the Knights I'm saying defeated the Kings the other night which kind of bounced them out of the race. Yeah. Yeah, they have no chance. Um even if they won out and the Knights and Oilers lost out, 
Who would have the tiebreaker between the Kings and the Kings? Finn? Yeah, I think the Knights will clinch not being caught by the let's see if they already have. Well, if they they each no, I mean if they could tie the uh, Knights in points. Yeah, they could. If they lost out and the Kings won out. Yeah, the Knights have the tiebreaker, but it's only by one game, so it's not clinched. Okay, so they, um, need, a point. they need a point. If they get a point, the Kings can't catch them. I mean, I, I think the Knights should have it decently secured anyway, even over yeah. Edmonton. Uh, because, I mean, look how well the Oilers have been playing lately. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10 games. They've gotten a point in every game they've played over their last 10 games, which is unbelievable. And they're still three points behind Vegas because – we talked about this last week, and this is what I referred to earlier in the show about a game in hand. Vegas had a game in hand over Edmonton. They won that game in hand. And now look how important that is, just that one game in hand. Puts them three points ahead with three games left. That's why this late in the season when we talk about games in hand, it's huge. It, it really is. Those two points in such a short amount of time, it, it really makes things tougher for the Oilers here. And I'm going to say the – take the chalk answer and just say Vegas has got it locked up. I agree. I agree. So even though, man, it would be nice to see the Oilers win it so they could draw an easier first round matchup. They can play, Yo, like, they play... battle of Alberta. It no. would be the, or, or the jets, not Seattle. No, the Central's going to get – or no. No, yeah. The Central's going to get Seattle. If Colorado wins, yeah. Yeah, which would be nice if Colorado – Colorado can't catch Vegas, though. Well, I, I think Calgary's kind of in trouble here. I, we'll talk about them with your next point. Yeah, dude, the Jets and freaking Calgary are in trouble. They both suck, and one of them's just going to – one of them's going to get a pity – a pity invite to the playoffs, I think. But, um, Yeah. And then you touched on it, the West Wild card. It's madness. Nashville's still alive, which yeah. is cool to see. Um, and then I think realistically it'll be one of the Jets or the Flames. Um, they played each other a couple days ago, and the Flames won the game, which after losing to the Blackhawks, I was honestly That's stunned true. that they were stunned that they were able to beat the Jets. And if – if they're if they were to beat the Blackhawks like they should, oh two and one against the Blackhawks this season the, are the Flames. When you own a team, you own a team. That's what I like to say. And guess what? I was at the one game where Calgary got a point, and Max Domi won it in overtime for the Blackhawks. I was at that game, and I I just can't believe what Calgary has let the Hawks do to them and basically cost them a postseason spot. Because if you get one or two extra points, if you get one win against the Hawks this season, you're in a playoff spot right now. Just yep. absolutely horrid, horrid, horrid you get for one the Flames. Points, they're in a playoff spot right now. Yeah. And I don't know. I thought that game against the Jets would feel more meaningful. It felt meaningful. I watched the whole thing on my computer. Um, I don't know, though. I don't know. The Flames, to me, they're lazy. In games, they're very a lazy it's team. A lackadaisical group, especially like after it gets to extra time, they have 15 OTLs, which I'm pretty sure is the most in the league. They only have 37 wins, like which is if you look at all the playoff contending teams, they're the lowest by a mile. So you're saying if there was no loser point, they they'd be dead. They would be. They'd have 74 points. Yeah, that's bad. That was good to know that right off the just by looking at the math. 
that that was good math brain right there. Nice math brain. I, I'm good. I like math. I would have taken me five minutes to come up with that. I'm not even kidding. Four points. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, 15 OTLs. I mean, come on. It gets to overtime to shoot out. They're just lazy. There's like, hey, we got a point. We got a point. They don't play well for Daryl. I mean, if the Hawks get a point, beat him in overtime or a shootout or whatever that game was. I mean, come on. It was overtime. Domi. Domi boy. And now Nashville, I, we were talking about this with Bobby. I told Bobby Nashville plays Winnipeg on Saturday. Forget Calgary. Calgary's out in my mind. They, they haven't impressed me. They can't beat the Hawks. I don't want them to make it unless they play Edmonton. Dude, forget That's about the only that. way. Yeah, they're boring. It's like, you know what I hated? Like in NFL, when the Seahawks got bounced or when the Seahawks made it in and Detroit did it. Like, I don't want to watch Seattle. They're not fun. I want to put in yeah. Detroit. I want to see Detroit play a playoff game. I feel that way about Calgary unless it was against Edmonton. If well, it was a lock, they'd play Edmonton. I'd root for Calgary. But since it's unlikely they play the Oilers in the first round, give me the Jets or Nashville. So much more intriguing. Well, tomorrow me. night we'll be watching the game together, VP. Nashville and Winnipeg. What a game. Chef's kiss of a hockey game. What I can't freaking wait. Now, Winnipeg's heavily favored in that matchup by a lot, which is understandable because, you know, Nashville has been – I mean, they're here. They're in the conversation. But Winnipeg's fallen off a cliff too, so I, I don't think it should be that much of a, a favorite between Winnipeg. But it's the biggest game of the season for these teams. Winner's in. I'm saying it right now. Winner of these two teams will know who's in the wild. Yep. I don't think, I don't think anything's going to happen after this game. We have no hockey today, so there's no games going on today. But weird. It is weird. Thank this goodness happened. we don't have hockey on Good Friday. This happened uh, the other day in the NBA, too. There was no NBA games ago. What, what's going on with these off days? Gary Bettman's a religious man. Um, is that really why? Because it's Good Friday? No. <laughs> oh, why? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned. That would be, I mean, Passover's going on. Like, why wouldn't they give them Easter? Like, that would just be such a random day to uh-huh. claim you're giving all the guys off for. <laughs> Or maybe he did it like maybe he's not going to admit that's the reason, but who knows? I mean, because it's just weird. I think tomorrow, I think tomorrow is a paradox. What is that? An, an NHL paradox. I think every team plays tomorrow. Oh, okay. I think that's probably yeah. I tomorrow. Tomorrow is one of those days that the NHL. I've heard this. The NHL is using tomorrow to market their league as a whole. I think every team plays. I have to fact check that, but I'm almost positive I heard I that all 32 teams play tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised. And there's three games on ESPN, one of every hour. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, there's a game on ESPN. The Devils and Bruins are the primetime game of that. So, Well, here's, here's the thing. So I think the winner of Nashville-Winnipeg gets in. But if Winnipeg beats Nashville, that bumps Nashville out. That Because they're already a point behind. They're a point behind Winnipeg. So if they, they're playing each other with each four games left, Winnipeg wins. Now they're three points ahead of Nashville with three games left. It's just – it's a huge game for Nashville. Uh, it means more for Nashville than it does Winnipeg. If Nashville wins, they each have three games left, but Nashville's got a point lead. So it's a lot bigger of a game for the Predators. The Jet, or Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets can afford to lose and still feel okay, but the Predators cannot say the same. If they lose their cook. It's very fair. It's very fair. I kind of want Nashville. I don't. Uh, I want the Jets. I don't like the Predators that much. Yeah, I know you don't. 
I, I, I mean, they both get creamed by freaking Vegas, right? I don't know though. If Vegas, if Vegas plays Nashville in the first round, that's going to be tough for like beat reporters and stuff. Yeah. Because they're going to be going from Nashville to Vegas. The players will take it seriously. They'll go to their hotels like good little soldiers. But the beat reporters and announcers and all those people uh-huh. traveling back and forth from the two best party cities in our country, it's going to be a fun time for them if those two teams. Uh, if I'm if I'm a Vegas or if I'm a person that I, I know I'm covering this series on the road, I'm rooting for that to be the matchup. Sign me up for that. <laughs> um, did you see the Blues tweet yesterday? I was so confused when you wrote that down. I think I found the one. Is it the Tarasenko tweet? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going through. I'm like, I don't know which one he's talking about. I was just trying to figure out like which one to me was the funniest. And that's the that's the one I came across. Yeah. So last night, the New York Rangers paid a visit to the Midwest to play the St. Louis Blues, where Vladimir Tarasenko played against the Blues for the first time in his 11-year NHL career. And during his time with the St. Louis Blues, Vladimir Tarasenko was an outstanding player. Just absolutely unbelievable. Stanley Cup champion, multiple 30-goal seasons, lots of goals, lots of great playmaking. Just one of the great St. Louis Blues of this era. And they trade him to the Rangers. He comes back. They make a nice video for him. And then he scores. He scored a goal for the Rangers against the Blues. And the Blues tweeted, Tarasenko scores. That would have been, like, really cool three months ago. (laughs) And I thought that was one of the funniest tweets. I don't know why. That just cracked me up. I love when people embrace a good meme. And, yeah, that's what became of that. I don't know if you thought it was as funny as I did, but I I, I was, like, dying. I'm like, this social media intern off the hook right now. It was – I mean, it's it's funny – I wouldn't say I was necessarily dying. Did the LA Kings score? Didn't isn't that what it sounded like? I heard the train coming. I was like, I wonder if they're gonna blow the horn. Um, but yeah, so I didn't see the tweet until you mentioned it. If you wouldn't have said anything, I probably would have went right over my head because I don't, I don't follow the Blues on Twitter. So boy, you have a hockey podcast. Freaking follow every team. Screw the Blues. Screw you the follow every team, dude. Screw them. I, I do. follow I follow Vegas. I follow the Kraken. I follow. I don't. There's only one team out of the big four I don't follow. Who is it? The, what do you mean? Oh, on uh, on Twitter. The Rangers. No, I follow the Rangers. Is it the Cubs? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought you'd have them followed because you write for. I I look I I it's more like a meme that I don't have them like followed. Because, like, but I, I used to have them blocked as a joke, too. I've had them blocked for a while, but I unblocked them because now that I write for them, I do have to look at their – I look at their Twitter page when I need to. It's a it's, shame. It's just meant to be funny. It's honestly – I don't know if I'll ever follow them now because I feel like I can't. I feel like at just this point, like, I've made it this far. It's funny. Shame. got to follow every NHL team, though. What the hell are you doing? Um, the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, three teams tied. It's to the point. All these teams are dumb. All these teams are dumb. If I I was Kyle Davidson, I would be in Luke Richardson's office every single day. Luke, you starting Hudobin tonight? No. Why? What the fuck? I mean, 
I get it. Listen, I get it. But you just you can't just like you said, the players don't care if about Bedard coming. They're trying to make a name for them. I didn't They're say to, tell the players not I know to try. That. No, I know that, but like you still those players could still get a win. Look at Calgary. I know. I mean, I'm not saying don't tell the players not like, I'm not mad at the players. Anaheim doesn't plan on winning. They've lost nine in a row. So I mean it's you check the you gotta the get one more win. I thought they were gonna get a point yesterday. I thought. I thought literally if Columbus and Anaheim could get a win and the Hawks lose out, they have it locked up. Hawks that's for any of these teams. They're tied, they're all tied with four games left to go with 56 points. It's like you can't write this. This is like written. Um the Hawks win over Calgary could cost the Hawks big time, but I mean then again, the players don't care. They're trying to, I mean, in their eyes, they did the right thing, right? So I, but I also have the vibe that the 32nd team isn't going to win Bedard. You know, they have four years in a row, right? What? The worst team has won the lottery four years in a row. Jack Jack Hughes is the last player not to go to the worst team. Well, that makes it me feel even better that it's not going to happen again. It doesn't because that's when they change the rule where it's only two instead of three. Once they changed the rule to two instead of three and the chances became 25% instead of 16%, that's when the bad teams start, the worst teams started really running off some lottery victories. I don't know, VP. At least if you come in last, the lowest you can fall is third. Right. That's why I want them to come in last. Get Leo Carlson at the worst. You come in fifth, we're talking Will Smith. Edward Sale, some of these really good players. They'll probably be NHL top six forwards. It's awesome. But, I mean. Well, I want them to come in last now. Connor Bedard has 72 goals this season. But, I mean, there's nothing. It's out of their hands now because if Anaheim and Columbus lose out and so do the Hawks, there's nothing they could do. So, But every time you look at the scoreboard, Anaheim lost. Anaheim lost. I mean, you lost nine in a row. Come on. The Hawks had lost eight. And they finally got one. I think Anaheim can get one. I I don't know why. Anaheim can get one. But I'm pretty sure their upcoming schedule is like, I think they play the Rangers. Rangers are probably going to shit on them. Um, it's just, it's not a favorable schedule. I, I'm scared because the Hawks got some games that they could win. The Hawks have been the best of the three teams lately, and it's, and they up. have the worst roster of the three. I know. In my opinion. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I agree that. with you. I agree with you. They have the best coach, though. I really like I the fact. Richardson. The fact Luke Richardson is so good. The fact that the Hawks with this roster haven't run away with dead last is remarkable. If freaking that idiot Jeremy Colleton was still their coach, <laughs> they would have 40-something points right now trying to play the trap, the neutral zone trap, man-on-man coverage, and they would freaking – they would be in dead last by a landslide. <laughs> and I, I do I do get down with building a nice culture while also sucking, which is what the Hawks have done this year. I just – I they need Connor Bedard so bad. They need him so bad. I'm, I'm getting nervous. I, I mean, it's to the point now where I, you always got to check what Columbus and Anaheim are doing. I know, and God, Columbus, man, they put the devil shit on them yesterday. They need him too, but I, I just think you have hockey and you have line A and Kent Johnson's outstanding and a couple of these other guys. Zach Wierenski's going to be back next year. Not a lot of people talk about 
how much the loss of Zach Wierenski in October for the whole season has impacted them and made them significantly worse. Like you take a guy like that off your back end. I'm not saying Columbus would have been a playoff team. I certainly don't think they'd be like a bottom dweller though. Uh, Zach Wierenski is amazing. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, dude. It's tough. It's really tough. tough. I I see Columbus because the devils had a lot of injuries in 2018, 19 Remember Taylor Hall didn't play in the second half. Um, a lot of guys were hurt for the Devils that year. And Bratton, he sure didn't have that great of years. It was like a sophomore slump for them, too. Yeah. Um, and the Devils, they added Hughes, knowing that they were going to get a haul for Hall, no pun intended. Um, and he sure and Brat weren't going to be that bad again. And they've turned into superstars since. I see that for Columbus. If they got Bedard... They'd be really good really soon, and that's scary. Well, let's just hope they go to the Hawks. Then he goes to the Hawks. It's possible. Absolutely. I'm interested to see how these final four games go. Let's go. Luis Robert, two-run down, three-two socks. Yeah, they went down two-to-one last inning, if you've noticed my mood change. But Luis Robert just hit one to Pluto, and now it's three-two socks. Let's go. There you go. For those of you listening to the audio version tomorrow on Friday or on Saturday, they're going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> Game's already over. Um, but, yeah, that's Connor Bedard. His Regina Pats were up 3-1 to one in the series, in their playoff series last time I looked. I don't know what's going on right now. But they're trying to win a Memorial Cup. We'll see if Bedard's able to elevate them to that. And then last night, the Seattle Kraken clinched their first ever postseason berth i was watch i watched the devils obviously in both college hockey games and then when those were over i started flipping around i watched my predators beat the hurricanes and give the devils a chance at the division once that was over i flipped to the hawks and then once the hawks were over the kraken were literally starting the third period Mm -hmm. if they win this game they're up three to one they'll clinch a playoff spot i watched the entire third veneer scored a goal make it 4-1. They clinched their playoff berth for the first time in franchise history. Did you watch it? Did you enjoy it? What do you think? Uh, I did not watch it, but I enjoyed the news of it. They have, they actually have the ability to overtake the Kings for third in the Pacific. Um, it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's are they at 98 points. Who? The Kraken? Um, or are they at 96 and the Kings are at 98? I think the Kings are at 98 and the Kraken are at 96. So, I mean, there's very well that they get a division spot, which would. So we're eyeing most likely a playoff series between Colorado or the Oilers, which probably doesn't bode too well for the Seattle Kraken. Both would be a tough matchup, but shout out to Matty Ben years, the way he's been. Um, I'm still proud that I I called him winning the Calder. I think that's one of the ones we agreed on too. right? I I mean, he was just so good to end last year that. Great, great call. Great call. And and I remember you saying, like, oh, you're going with somebody who's not completely fresh in the NHL this year. And I'm like, yeah, I, I think Maddie Veneers is going to have a pretty good year. Did I think they'd, he'd have this good of a year where, like, the Seattle Kraken have 96 points? No. But I just – it makes you feel good when you make a prediction like that and are correct. Um, you look at the goaltending that the Seattle Kraken have. It's not that good. I mean – both Jones and Grubauer got either an 890 save percentage or below, 
which is terrible. Their goals against is near and three. They both kind of stink, but they're getting the job done. It's because the Kraken's ability to score. So that's why I think it's going to be a tough ask to beat Colorado or the Oilers. But, I mean, good for them. I mean, it takes teams sometimes decades, half centuries to make the playoffs or, you know, even to get their feet wet. So good for them. Who's the most recent MLB player to be on the Barroom Network? Player? Yeah. Is it Jake Berger? Jake Berger, bring him home! Five to two White Sox. Let's go. What a dog. What an absolute superstar. He heard nothing I said. He was just worried about the whites. No, that's not true. I heard everything you said, actually. I literally heard your entire breakdown of the Kraken and what they did with Ben Years as the rookie. I was listening to everything you said. Never accuse me of that ever again. Mother. Yeah, that's what I got on the Kraken for yourself. Yeah, listen, I wrote an article. Did it publish? Did those a-holes publish my article? If they didn't, I'm going to be mad. No, they didn't. Whenever they didn't yet. What the H? That is so annoying. Um, my The Puck Pros guys are a little slow on publishing some articles every now and then. It's okay. Um, I did three ways the Kraken can advance in the playoffs. And I think they need Ben Years to be healthy. So I agree with your statements. They need Ben Years to not only be healthy, they need him to be producing. Yeah. Um, I do think he'll win the Calder Trophy. Um, he got robbed. Yeah. And uh, the other was goaltending. Philip Grubauer and Martin Jones have been amazing. Um, I think they have a chance. And then the third one was Vince Dunn leading their defense core to success in the postseason. Vince Dunn's their second leading scorer. He's in the mid-60s for points. The quietest, awesome offensive season from a defenseman this season. A lot of that has to do with the things you said about in years and, you know, the forwards carrying their own weight and helping the D push it forward. But those are my three reasons for the Kraken, or the, my three needs for the Kraken to have a deep postseason run. That article will be found on puckpros.com later on. I'll tweet it later once it's available. Um, but, yeah, good analysis on the Kraken, yo. It's a fun team to analyze. They are. They really, really are. Um, Frank, that's it for hockey. I mean, we've pretty much covered all bases in terms of the playoff races, players that are interesting. Where's that like you guy? Guys, what guy? Do you guys talk about hockey on this show? Or? Oh, I know, I know. We just spent – we're at 157 and it's only been <laughs> hockey. Outside of, a, outside of a burger home run, it's been all hockey on this show. I mean – some people are just looking for ways to be an a-hole on the internet. Um, Frank, what do you say we move on, though, and have a little bit of fun in period number three? Welcome to period three. I call it the bullshit period. Frank, let's talk some bullshit. All right. It's Star Wars weekend. It is. Star Wars celebrations. Star Wars celebration. I have not watched the Ahsoka Tano trailer yet. I cannot wait to do so. There's I, some big news that came out about the movies, the Star Wars movies. I saw the news that Daisy Ridley is returning to play in a Star Wars movie where Rey will try and reignite the Jedi Order. That is going to be an outstanding movie, methinks. At least the prompt of it sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skylar points out that the Cubs win. The Cubs did win. Congratulations to the Cubs on a big win today. Um, I don't know any details of the game. I've been prepping for this Bobby Ryan interview. And then once we were done, I threw on the White Sox in the second inning and they were 
tied one to one, and now I'm fully invested in it again. But baseball's been on the back burner for me this morning, but I'm back on track now. Now that the Bobby Ryan interview is over, but yeah, credit to the Cubs, good win today. Um, oh, Star Wars, yeah, cool news, awesome stuff. Is there anything you want to mention about it? Um, well, I mean, the news about the um. So you mentioned Daisy Ridley. There's going to be three movies that they're coming out uh, with. And I know one is going to focus, the Daisy Ridley movie will be 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. So it'll get some like backstory of her creating the new generation of Jedi. The one that was really interesting, I thought, is the one that's going to be, take place. I don't know if this is going to be the actual name of it or if it's just like the working name that they have going on right now. Dawn of the Jedi, which will take place like 2,000 years before like everything's taking place. So like they said more like a biblical type movie where where did the force come from? How did these how did these Jedi get the force? Like where did it did it, it did it just appear genetically or, you know, how they want to do like more how of everything became, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. It's been a while since we've had a Star Wars it's been movie. been a while. So. I'm excited. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm excited too. Skokes talks about the Ahsoka show. I agree. Um, yeah. I'm actually probably looking forward to that more than any Star Wars content, including the movies. Just because I think Ahsoka is a very interesting character. Her story development through the years has been wonderful. And it's one of the truly awesome things that Star Wars has done in the last you know, decade or so. So I'm looking forward to all of it. And I want to point out in the comments, G says, keep an eye out for dork side for some sick content. Man, fan sided star Wars page is off the hook. And G is an outstanding contributor to it. I'm excited. I'll be reading it all. Um, I try really hard. I, I, I'm going to start. We need to make like a, a group chat on Twitter. And it, we'll call it our fan-sided group chat. We just all share our sick articles in it. And then if you have time to read them, you have time to read them. If it's something you're interested in, if it's not, don't read it. But, you know, I'm pretty much interested in all the articles that my favorite people write. So whether it's of my interest or not, I like to branch out into new different forms of entertainment anyway. I'll read all the Bachelor recaps if I have to. I'm looking forward to it. 100%. Um, Frank, I did designate a little bit of time in this show for... Frank's Video Game Corner. What do you got? All right. Well, so a lot's going on, including today was the release of EA Sports PGA Tour. Hold on. Bless you. Thank you. Um, Today was the release of EA Sports PGA Tour. Um, It's the first EA golf game released since 2015 Rory McIlroy's golf game. So EA has been on the back burner when it comes to golf, but we'll see how it pans out. It seems like it's going to be fun. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to end up playing it, but if you're a golfing fan, have at it. See what EA's got. It's been a while. been eight years. So Uh, We talked about uh, Star Wars. Star Wars Jedi Survivor releases at the end of this month. That'll be cool. Canon to the overall story. So even if you're not a video game fan, maybe you want to check it out because, you know, some of the stuff that you're going to be seeing in the Star Wars series um, actually relates to the movies, TV shows. So you could check that out. That'll be a lot of fun too. If you plan on playing it on the PC, 
it's going to be 155 gigabytes to download, which people are kind of like upset about of how big it's going to be. So you're going to have to create some space there. Um, Skylar says, I don't know if you've played much of the new show yet, but the audio is much more crisp. I have not gotten around to play it yet. I do have it. I have it downloaded. So I, I planned on playing it the one night and the download took forever. So um, at least I got it downloaded. So I do will be plan on playing MLB The Show 23 soon. I'm excited about that. Um, also, for God of War Ragnarok fans, because, you know, that it was in the talks about being game of the year last year. I know a lot of people enjoyed it. A lot of people like it. Well, yesterday or a couple days ago, New Game Plus was released for it. If you played through God of War and you've beaten it once already and you found yourself nothing else to do, well, now you can do New Game Plus. Start a new save file, save file where there's going to be tons of new features, content, new higher level cap added. T enemies are going to be tougher, but you know all your stuff carries over, so you'll be able to enjoy your God of War experience once again. That'll be a lot of fun. And then, Vin, you'll like this. Uh, the Super Mario Bros. movie is out. And I'm, I want to go see it, no matter how, bad, how good it is. I haven't done any research on it, but I want to go see it. I know there's two post-credit scenes, and I know Chris Pratt mentioned, like, this isn't the end for this Mario universe. Like, there were talks about them making a Luigi's Mansion movie and different, like, movies in the Mario universe to connect with this. Kind of like I get down with it. Yeah, creating, like a Marvel-style universe, but with Super Mario Bros. I think that's amazing. The fact that there's two post-credit scenes make it seem like they're going to build towards something. And Nintendo being the big market that it is, I would not be surprised. So I want to go see it. That seems pretty interesting. I like the concept, and it, it just seems a long time coming. Like, why haven't this happened before? Why is this just happening in 2023? So I'm excited. That's what I got for you on video games. And, uh Yeah. Will you be writing about the Mario movie? Can you review that on App Trigger? Is that a thing? Because it's a video game-based movie. Like, were you able to write about The Last of Us? Yeah, and I've written about the Mario movie. Already. Oh, you did get an article out about the Mario movie? Yep, and Matt, who is our lead over at App Trigger, he wrote about the post credit scenes. So I haven't, I didn't want to dive into that because I don't want to spoil anything because I haven't seen the movie yet. Okay, I'm, I'm, so yeah. I'll read... We Yours now and Matt's later? Yeah. Okay. We, we, we are able to write about that content. And Last of Us content's great as well, which speaking of that, that is – I'll touch on that too because it's something we write about. Um, if you – it's a must-watch show. It really is. You watched it? The Last of Us? Yeah. I'm halfway through it. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's a must-watch show. Every episode's elite. Um it's the same thing you told me about Game of Thrones. You, you got to watch it. Keep up to date with what's going on. I mean, the show was renewed after the second episode for a season two. It, it's absolutely stunning. And even if you're not a video game fan, because this it, it's crazy to think that this whole story is based off the video game. It is beautiful. The third episode is just so beautiful. And that was the episode where people are like, it's one of the best episodes in TV history. It's up there. It's absolutely insane. I, I can't believe like what I watched. It's it's really good. I highly suggest watching it. I think I'm going to. You it, sold it's me. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I might find time for that because I love Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And the new episode of Mando was off the hook. I love Mando. He's great. That little girl is in Game, Game of, of Thrones. Thrones. Yeah. She's Bella the Ramsey. little the, yeah, Bella Ramsey, the little queen. I, uh, when she took her L though, I I almost cried. It, it was rough. <laughs> it was tough. 
Frank, update me on my favorite team in all of sports, the Sacramento Kings. Oh, you're going to like this, VP. Let's go, Kings! Let's go, Kings! They're 48 and 32. Woo! Games above 500. Fire! They clinched the Pacific Division. Let's go. And let, let's go over the teams in the Pacific Division. It's not an easy division. The Warriors? The Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, and the Phoenix Suns. It's a tough division to be in. And they clinched the division. Let's go. And that's their first division win since 2002-2003. It's been a tough ride for the Sacramento Kings. It has. The all the diehards that have been sticking through for all these years like me. This is for you guys. We grinded to get here. It all paid off for all of us. Now We did it. If the playoffs were to start today, and there's going to be some up and downs. They're not locked into whoever they're playing, even with two games left. Um, if it were to end today, they would open up against the Golden State Warriors. The reigning defending champions of the West, Golden State Warriors. Hell yeah. My and, Kings. I mean, the only thing the Kings have in their favor is they'd have home court advantage, and the Warriors are one of the worst teams on the road this year. It's pitiful. Yeah, we'll see. I though. love, I love how, I love how good we've been this season. Um, they're really, really good at putting that ball in that hoop, and I'm just really excited about the trajectory of our team because, you know, what they've been able to do this season in kind of a surprise fashion. You know, we, we've been put through the ringer as a fan base for the last 30 years. It's tough. So, you know, this is our time to shine as Kings fans. So, let's go, Kings. Very excited for a huge postseason run here. Let's go. Are you going to watch some of their postseason content? Frank, I haven't missed a Kings game in 30 years. Okay, I'm a diehard Kings fan. I like to hear and it. We're, we're going all the way. Let's go, Kings. You think they're going to win the championship? Oh, hell yeah. Why, why would I be participating if I didn't think they had a chance? Let's go, Kings. All right. I like it. I like the confidence. Hell yeah. I mean, like I said, our fan base has just been through a lot. We've been sticking through with this team through thick and thin, and now it's our time to shine. Um, baseball, you've been enjoying the first week of the season? It's been a little rough for a Cubs and a Mariners fan. Not going to lie. Mariners, two and five. Oof. Mariners stink. All right, watch your mouth. And the Cubs, two and three. It's two and five, a non-stinky record. I mean, it's early, but it's, yeah, of course. It, it's rough. They, I haven't liked the way they played. Man, they lost a heartbreaker. Um, I forgot who it was against. Um, they had a chance. They went to extra innings, and it was tied five-five. And they had, you know, they had one out. They had bases loaded, and it was a comebacker to the pitcher. And he threw it home, got the one out, and threw it to first base, and it got away. And he had him beat easily. The run scores, I think, oh, it was against the Guardians, I'm pretty sure. the run Yeah, scored, it was the Guardians. The run scores, and they get the sixth run. They get out of the inning, and they don't score in the bottom of the 10th the inning. And it was a heartbreaker. I mean, that, that – that was their big downfall. I mean, it's just been down from there. It's been disappointing to watch. The Cubs won today, so they actually they're three and three. Forgot about that. So that's good. The Rays, how about the Rays? Six and zero. Oh. They're the only undefeated team left in the MLB. 
I mean, they played the Tigers in the Nationals, but those, I mean, even sweeping teams are hard. So they swept both. You mean the Tigers who took a series from the Astros? Exactly. So, I mean, there, there you have it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, the White Sox, if they hang on and win this game, they'll be four and four. Keep at 500 until you get on a nice win streak. I think that's the key to starting any season. Mariners started two and five. If you go to every team has a stretch where they go two and five, but when you start two and five and that's your slump, it's more magnified because that's right. also your record. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't worry too much. I do think the Mariners have the second best roster in their division and the fifth or sixth be- or fourth or fifth best roster in the American League. So we'll see how they're able to pan out the rest of the season. My other team, the Red Sox, they suck. I think they're doomed for last place in the East. But the Braves, my Braves, they're in first place. And they were right there with the Rays as, like, one of the last teams to mm-hmm. get a loss. So, um, hopefully they're able to get it done, too. I like watching these teams. Baseball's been fun. It's a little hard to be as committed to, like, some of my second and third favorite teams when there's also hockey going on. You know, I really start getting into the Braves and the Red Sox when the White Sox aren't on, um, when hockey's off. Absolutely. But, you know, I've only missed one White Sox game, so, or two. No, one. And including right now, I've been watching pretty much every inning of every game. So, baseball's fun. Love it. Excited to have it back. Um, I've become a little bit less of a Cub hater. You know, they're fine. Like, I'm not going to sit here and root for them. But we're adults now. Just kidding. Um... Is there anything else you want to touch on? Just glad it's back, really. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I wanted to do before we get into America's favorite podcast segment of the week, I wrote down whatever you want. If you have anything to add to you know, something you want to talk about really quick, I want to touch on something with the Devils. Okay. Yesterday, Timo Meyer scored twice. He got to 40. Congratulations That's good. to Timo Meyer on reaching 40 goals. It's really there, good. there are only like 10 players in the league with more goals this season than Timo Meyer. So credit to him. That's outstanding. Um, Jack Hughes entered the game with 91 points. Outside chance at a hundred, like no chance at a hundred, right? Mm-hmm. You know, needs nine points in four games. He went out and got four points. Now getting five points in three games looks absolutely doable. It's absolutely doable for Lil Jizzy. So let's get five points. Let's get five points in the last three games, Jack Hughes, and reach 100 points. The Devils have never had a 100-point score in their history. I believe Jack Hughes can do it. Go get it, Jackie boy. We're all rooting for you to get to 100. The Devils franchise record is 96. His next point will tie Patrick Elias for the single-season Devils record. His two more points will break the Devils season-season record for points in a season. I do think that's in the bag. He'll wow. get two points. He might get that tomorrow against the Bruins. But I'm telling you what, How's I want that? Jack Hughes, if he doesn't break the record and stays at 95, I literally think like, it's impossible. If he didn't tie it even. No, I think it's impossible. Like, he'll get a secondary assist by accident. He's so good. Yeah. If he plays, he t- okay. he breaks it. I think 100 is I, – I would bet – ooh, would I bet on 100? Yes. He's getting 100. Screw it. I'm sick and tired of thinking my guys can't do the shit. You think he's getting 100? He gets 100 without he's the four-point game. He's without, yeah, he got four points yesterday. He needs five over three. 
I'm not playing the Blue Jackets every day. But if he could get one against the Bruins, I'll like his chances going into Buffalo and Washington. And there's a good chance he gets two or three against the Bruins. He's their best player. He's one of the best players in the NHL. And then there are a couple other milestones. Jesper Bratt got to 70. Congrats to him on reaching 70 points. That's huge. He sure entered yesterday with 75, and mm-hmm. I really want him to get 80. I think I want him to get 80 more than I want Jack to get 100. That's crazy. I'm being dead serious because I think Nico Heischer deserves all the recognition. And for some reason, 80 points looks better than 79. And if he gets to 80 points, he'll win the Selkie Trophy. He, I, He's first or second right now, and he could win the Selkie Trophy. I believe it. So – He's, and he got two yesterday, so up to 77 points. He needs three points in the final three games. We'll see if he could do it. So I just wanted to touch on that really quick. For sure. Yeah, so if you don't have anything else to say for this portion of period three, we will send it to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Howdy. Howdy. How you doing? Good. Notice last week. You're lucky you went 3-0, and eh? We swept the board. You swept the board. I'd be shitting on you hard right now. Oh, I'd be shitting on you hard. Deliver when you have to. That's what we do. Yeah, because it's not football season. And that football, we'll get, we'll, football, we'll get there. But it is MLB season for the first time on this show. Um that I'll be giving some MLB picks. There's no hockey today, so I don't have a hockey pick. Um, So I'm going to start off with the NBA. Raptors are playing the Boston Celtics tonight, and the Raptors are one-and-a-half-point underdogs. Very weird. The line was like this the other night, but that's because Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart were both out, so made a little more sense. Tonight, I'm not seeing those injury reports that I saw before. I mean, they got some guys injured. But then it's weird because the line was moving towards the Raptors and the Celtics won without Tatum and Smart. So if they played, why would the line still be the same? It just seems like the books wouldn't make the same mistake they did before, which is why I'm leaning towards the Raptors plus one and a half at minus 113. It just seems like there's really weird line makings here. It just doesn't make sense. Um, so that's the only reason I'm going with the Raptors. I mean, the Celtics are the world's better team by far, and they're at home. But they just played, and normally playing teams, it's not a back-to-back. They didn't play them last night, but playing the same team twice in a row before you see another opponent, sometimes it changes. And it, it just strikes me as, like, since the Celtics beat them the other night, they'd be more of a favorite. I don't know. That's just my logic here and why I like the Raptors plus one and a half. Minus 113, not bad. Now – um, as far as the MLB goes, we got our first two MLB picks of the season. Yesterday was a really weird day for the Rockies in the Nationals game. I don't know if you saw it, but the game wanted the game ended one to nothing at Coors Field, which is very weird. That's only the twelfth time ever that a game has ended one nothing at Coors Field. Um, the last time that it happened was July fourth, twenty eighteen, which is like five years ago. It doesn't happen too often. 
Gore versus Urena tonight. Bats are ready to fly. I like the over 11 here at minus 117. To me, it's not truly baseball season until you get an 8-7 game at Coors Field. Then it's like, all right, baseball game. Baseball time is here. We got an 8-7 slugfest at Coors Field. And I think the bats are ready to fly, especially after a 1-0 victory. That's so rare. So I like the over 11. Fairly good over and under for being at Coors. Final pick, Blue Jays at the Angels. I like the Angels' money line here, minus 129. It's the Angels' home opener. They should be fired up. They took two out of the – two out of three games against the Mariners and two out of three games against the A's. I love the way they've been playing Bassett versus Sandoval. Uh, Bassett's first outing looked like he forgot how to play baseball. He looked so bad. Um, he, he gave up nine earned runs and four homers. I'll gladly f- fade him in this position here against the hot angels team. Take the angels with Otani and trout at minus 129 to beat the blue Jays tonight. Those are my picks for you. Let's try to sweep the board again and go 26 and 20. Very good. Very, very good picks. I think you got this. If you're 26 and 20, what would that your would your percent be over 60 then? No, I don't think so. It'd now be it's because there's so many games, it's hard to move that pers- percentage up and down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So the we more know. games it is, then the less likely it is to like I could sweep the board, it might be at 55%. Yeah. Or lose, you know, it's it's tough. It's it's hard to go up and down now. Twenty-six divided by forty-six? Yeah. Fifty-six percent. See, you only go up two and a half percent. Yeah. It's tough. And it's gonna be tough to get back above sixty sixty, but that's the plan is to get up above sixty before the end of the year. So we'll see. Thirty divided by fifty. That you would need three straight weeks of undefeated to get to 60. It's tough. Yeah. That's tough. That is tough. <laughs> There's but no doubt about it. That is tough. Absolutely. Well, Frank, that was a dynamite show. Okay. I mean, that that was truly fun. That was one of those shows where, like, Bobby Ryan has been off for an hour and a half. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. We've been talking just us for longer than Bobby was on. That's crazy. Um, it was fun though. That interview with Bobby Ryan was everything I expected it to be. All my questions and your questions. I, I built mine off of yours. Was it everything you wanted and more? Yes. I, I asked him a couple extra that I didn't think we'd get to. So, you know, I was excited to hear about, you know, what he thought of Datsuk and Zetterberg. Like, I can't believe I got to him all, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, always happen. that just means he was gracious with his time and we'll, we'll get him back. If Ottawa does something big in the summer, I'll hit him up. He's going to be my Ottawa guy going forward. Cause I like talking about the senators and I, the reason I haven't bought a senator's Jersey yet is for one, the next Jersey I buy is still my phone background, the Vancouver reverse retro. But after that, I want to pick a senator's Jersey, but I don't know if I want the red one or the black one. And I people no totals, low dose. Well, no totals, low dose me, me uh De Niro. So I that, felt so dumb when I said like he wasn't in the league when Vegas was around. I said it too though. Because I, I forgot. Like, it's just it feels like forever or I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, if it, it feels like Vegas hasn't been in the league as long as Bobby Ryan has been out. Right. I mean we're going on next year will be what, six years? And he missed some time. He missed some time, too, with the 
um, some of his off the ice stuff. And that's why he came back and won the Masterton trophy and all that. So yeah. I do understand why it felt, but that re revenge tour with Detroit where he won the Masterton, that was, that was definitely post Vegas being in the league and having a cup run and all that. So, but yeah, just a great overall interview. If you're just tuning in now, go check it out. Um, I'm going to be posting it to Twitter. It'll be on um, Spotify and Apple in short order here. Um, just a great show. I'm very, very happy with what we do here at Bar Down. This is my baby. And, you know, it, it'll be the last thing I give up in terms of podcasting. Like, I just love doing this hockey show and talking hawk as often as I can. So, big games this weekend. College hockey tomorrow night. The Memorial Cup is going on. Or the Memorial Cup playoffs are going on. Because, you know, I love following Major Junior. Um, and that will get us ready for the NHL draft, of course. The NHL's going strong. You got divisions trying to be won here in the last week. Postseason spots clinched up in the wild card. So it's going to be a good time, and I, I'm very much looking forward to it. And to all the people in the chat, Skokes, Skyler, Tom, Caitlin, of course, shout out to everyone. Love you guys all very, very much. Frank, is there anything you want to say before we get on out of here besides telling people to go to apptrigger.com to read your shit, go into – Puck Pros, Putts and Pitchforks, Black and Teal, The Windy City, and Southside Showdown to read my shit. So, I have two things. I just realized I had Luis Robert in fantasy. Um, I, that's why I said it. Oh. And then the burger thing was because he's been on the Barroom Network. I forgot about Luis Robert. Yeah. And secondly. Luis if, Robert Jr. to you. Sorry. Mother. sorry. We're, we're buddies. We're on a first name basis. That's true. Well, first name. I call, basis, I call but, him Lou. Yeah. Lou Bob. No, I call him Lou though, because you know we remember yeah. Bob. We had Bobby Lou in Vancouver in Florida, yeah. and now we have Lou Bob in Chicago. And if the so if the podcast is your baby, what does that make me then? My baby daddy. All right, that's all I got for you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this show. Can't wait to be back with you next week. You can check me out Monday night on the South Burbs Hitman Podcast, where we will be joined by Chicago White Sox MC, one of the two great MCs they have there at the Chicago White Sox. Drawing a blank on his first name. <laughs> Something Lee. Something Lee. Oh, no. I'm a Stan. tweet. I wish it was Stan Lee. Getting Stan Lee on the show would be. Huh? You said MC, and I thought McDonald's. An MC, Frank. I know. Ryan Lee. Ryan Lee. Ryan Lee. Apologize, Ryan. And I thought McDonald's. Yeah. I'm Ryan, Ryan Lee will be on our show. Can't wait to talk White Sox. Then following week, we'll be back with Bard on it. This, I've appeared on the Barroom Network every day of the week except Friday and Saturday. Now I can cross off Friday. I've been on a Monday. I've been on South Burbs Hitman on Monday. I've been on Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls on Tuesday. I've been on Bar Down on Wednesday. I've been on Crosstown Crosstalk on Thursday. I've been on this show now on Friday. Nothing on Saturday. And then I went on a couple football shows. Uh, what was the football? I've been on Fantasy Football Goon on Sunday. And I've been on the Barfly Tailgate show, I think it's called, on Sunday as well. So now i got to get a show on Saturday. I got to get in on a show on a Saturday. Maybe talk to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, hell yeah. So that's where we're at. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show as much as I did. It's truly one of my favorite shows we've ever done. Thank you to Bobby Ryan for joining our show. And as always...
Happy birthday to Joey Parisi. This is the Happy last birthday, show before, before his birthday. Very much looking forward to celebrating all weekend with him. And I hope that you go into your birthday coming off a huge loss to the New Jersey Devils tomorrow night. Just because it's your birthday, I ain't going easy on you. I ain't going easy on you, pal. I hope the Devils smoke you. I hope you see Jack Hughes in your dreams and your nightmares. Wow. And happy Easter to everybody. Happy Passover. Enjoy all the holiday celebration. As always, thank you for listening.